Welcome to the Hawk's Nest live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, and oh, we got some breaking news coming at you today. Boy, I'll tell you what, life comes at you fast. And for Russell Wilson today, life is indeed coming at him very fast by some of the news that is breaking down the pike today. As we have come to learn that the Denver Broncos are benching Russell Wilson for the final two games of the season after they came to Russell Wilson's camp reportedly and asked Russell if he would waive his injury guarantees for this upcoming season, meaning that there is a very keynote date for the Denver Broncos inside of the first week of the end of the football season. And inside that date, there is an injury guarantee that would kick in for Russell Wilson. It's been looming. It's been there for a while, just kind of sitting there on the books as, as sort of this you know, red letter day where they're going to have to make a big decision because it's one thing about the money you're already signed up for on Russell that's already sunk cost. It's another thing for the money now you're going to add on top of the pile, if it were, especially if you weren't completely bought into him there in Denver. And we've seen quite a few signs of that throughout this year that maybe that might not be the case, at least as it concerns Peyton and probably with it, the front office of the Denver Broncos. But then we got even further confirmation here, not just confirmation, but even further breaking news here in the last couple of hours, coming even more further in on this as Diana, Diana, I can never say her name, it's hard to pronounce on that one. Diana Rossini is reporting that Russell Wilson is expecting to be cut by the Denver Broncos. So this is not nearly them putting him on the bench saying, hey Russ, why don't we put you on the bench for a year and give you some time to, uh, you know, figure it out through the offseason. We'll get you some better stuff up in front of you, you know. We'll get you some better offensive linemen, maybe some better playmakers on the outside. But, you know, this year it's just, it ain't quite, you know, working. So, we'll, was it now? Nah, indeed, it does not look to be that. This is going to be a cut because Russell's camp, they went to him a couple days ago, said, hey, do you want to take this? Do you, will you waive this injury guarantee? Will you maybe restructure some of your contract? And that camp bristled, to say the least. We can, on, we can only wonder uh, what uh, Mark Rogers' response was when he had that phone call called and said, hey, Rod, Mark, you know, what, do you about, what do you think about uh, giving up less money? It's just not really in his track record. We saw that here in Seattle. And so the Broncos are going to extricate him, it would seem, from the situation, get themselves out from having to put themselves on the hook for more money as far as that goes. And uh, it's going to hit this as a shocker for many because when they look at Russell Wilson's stats here, You'll notice that it's really not that bad. It's really not in a place where you'd think a guy only two years removed having traded for him and especially understanding how much money that they're going to be on the hook for when they move off of him. You know, uh, 3,400, it looks like he's going to be on. And then the projected stats, the one I would have you pay attention to here. So on, on pace for 3,400 yards, 29 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 6.9 yard average per attempt. That's Certainly a little bit below where his career dipping average is at. I would say, though, if you look at, though, otherwise, most of those numbers are right around his career mark. He's got 100 career rating. He's at a 98 career rating this season. So probably a lot from Russell Wilson's camp. They're saying it's, you know, maybe you're not getting me at my prime level, but you're certainly getting me um, playing at what, you know, was near to what you thought you were getting when you I came in here. So that's probably why you get a little bit of disagreement from his side of it and their outlook of things here. But this is where we, as anybody that's tuned in here to my channel for the last couple of years, and certainly at the end of the time there with Russell Wilson can attest to, there are some things that go into Russell's game that you have to kind of deal with that go beyond just simply looking at numbers and looking at 
some of these stats out there like passer rating or you know just the the pure yardage factor of it but it is uh it is telling that despite the fact he's had what would be somewhat of a rebound year even a couple of weeks ago people were talking about him as really maybe one of the comeback player of the year candidates to be looked at uh outside of a guy like Lamar Hamlin who's probably likely just to receive it it uh it looks like the the this is not going to fit with Peyton and not what he wanted there and that Russell and his fit between him are just not on the same point. Um, this is to give you a little bit of an idea of the money hit that we're talking about here. A pre-March 17 relief release for Russell Wilson would mean $85 million of dead money cap. That's uh, $39 million cash in 2024. Designating him as a post-June 1st release means you got $35 million in 2024 of dead money and then uh, almost $50 million in 2025. So you think about those numbers right there, and then think about from Denver's perspective, we were going to have to add to those numbers theoretically onto the future. You know, we, we would have to sign up for more of Russ into the future. We weren't really able at that point just to kind of cut our losses. That's where we feel like we need to be at with this. So this is really a, the big driver um, of the move. The other thing to understand is why the benching is happening and why Denver's not just, you know, going for it. I think they've got a, a 1.6% chance of making the playoffs right now as it currently stands. So Peyton's looking at that going, okay, we're certainly out of it. The other part of this is the injury uh, guarantee aspect of it, where Russell, if he fails a physical, he's they're still going to be on the hook for the money. They don't just get out. I mean, it's not even free and clear here, of course, because there's a lot of dead money chopped between those two years, as I just showed you. But you've got to have him pass the physical along with us just to get to that point. You know, it's a couple of different parts of that process to get to the end part where you're just able to get out from under Russ if you're Denver in their perspective of things. And so this has happened in recent years past with guys like Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, and uh, the Raiders benching Jimmy Garoppolo, where what they're trying to do is make sure those players don't get injured and then they can't get out from under those deals. They get stuck right? And that's ne never where you want to be at in football, especially when you're on a quarterback contract, which as we all know is uh, usually pretty, pretty pricey, pretty up there in the, in that edge echelon. So this is why they're making the move. It is completely to signal that we are moving on. We got to go. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and what was interesting to me was the reasons why. And we're going to, I'm going to turn this conversation forward to the Seahawks. I know some may not be understanding fully why this pertains to the Seahawks, because this is a important day in a lot of respects, because it finalizes the trade in full. Uh, we now get to see what we've gotten in the assets. Certainly the youngsters we've got, we have to see where they go in their career. But uh, it does, you do get more of a firmer understanding and view at this point of e even the most that were hesitant to jump on board and saying this is one of the biggest trades in NFL history, one of the more lopsided trades in NFL history. Indeed it is. Indeed, it really is. It's not going to maybe surpass the Cowboys. We'll have to see maybe with time. I wouldn't say it maybe gets to that level. The Browns with Deshaun Watson are going to be up in this uh, conversation. And we've got even one in, in one with like a Jamal Adams trade. And that's uh, even on our books. So it's not like we're free and clear of this either. But it still remains a trade that is absolutely uh, incredibly lopsided. And the part now we come to on this is why the trade happened. And the trade happened because you had the Broncos at the time probably doing a lot lot too much of looking at that stat column and the highlight reel throws with the moon balls and not as much of what's happening with him as far as in structure, on time, playing within the confines of the offense. Russell is magical, no doubt about it. He is a true magician on the football field and he makes plays no other quarterbacks can make. 
It's part of what has separated him. But with that has also come the downside, the downside that Peyton is facing. Peyton had an undersized quarterback at one time in Drew Brees, who he, of course, turned into basically an MVP candidate on a yearly basis, a guy that would flirt with 5,000 yards like it was nothing. And that wasn't just having one simple receiver that was his number one receiver throughout all time that he could just target and go to. It was because Peyton devised an offense that was kind of like the equivalent of what Shanahan does with the running game, uh, but yet he does with the passing game. In that he could scheme things so brilliantly open for the quarterback, and he had a quarterback so adept at playing on time and throwing at the anticipation that, that it all worked so well on structure. Breeze didn't have to extend plays or get outside the pocket or move around and pirouette out of things. He could just trust the fact that Peyton, with the way he designed it and with his film, own film study, that this was going to be the right play and where I'm going to go with this. I know how to take advantage of this thing. And that's, of course, a little bit in opposite of uh, Russell Wilson. A guy that talked about this today, and I'm going to play you this minute and a half clip of a guy by the name of Mark Schlereth. Many of you guys are probably very well aware of him. Um, he's a three-time, I think, um, Super Bowl award winner, multi-pro bowler, played in this league for many different years, won a Super Bowl in two different organizations. He knows a little bit of a thing or two, a thing or two about winning football uh, and quarterback play in it, and he covers Denver. So what I like about him discussing what he's going to discuss here in the next soundbite is that this is coming from somebody who's actually watching this team day in and day out, watching Russ very closely, and who was also very well aware of Russ with his time in Seattle. Mark's got a a general national perspective on things because he's he's done the play-by-play stuff. So he also was kind of aware of Russ prior to coming into Denver and what Russ was bringing into the stage with that. Let's listen to really quickly, if we could, this little soundbite here from um, from Mark Schlereth in regards to why it is that Sean Payton is making this move right now, why he's seemingly signaling at this point that this is where he wants to go and uh, this is that he's just kind of done with the Russell experience that it's got to move on. And again, this is not to shade on Russ, by the way. All I'm doing with this is I want to kind of report this for what it is, lay out the cards for what they are, and then I'll let you guys kind of take it from there as far as, is it a, is this a thing to, to present in the future? Where is it at? Am I wrong? Am I right on this? I, I'll love to hear from you guys on this, but I'm not as much trying to say that this is me going pro-Russ or anti-Russ. I'm just trying to set the stage accurately to where things are right now where they've built up to, and that's both on how much the cost is coming into play and then also what's exactly happening on the football field because we can see with the stats, he's not throwing for 25 interceptions. He's not completely fallen into a shell of himself. He was back to using his legs again this year. we got the slimmer, trimmer Russ, right? But there's something else at play that's a little bit more into the deeper, uh, deeper waters than that, if you were. So uh, let me play this clip for you here as I've teased it enough now. Let this thing play for you guys. Piece in here. Saying, what was he saying there? That we can't execute the offense. We cannot execute the structure of the offense as it's intended to be executed. Therefore, we have to simplify things. We have to throw the screen passes. We have to throw the bubble screens. We can't get the intermediate routes developed. When you look at Russell Wilson, there are very few things right now that he's doing exceptionally well. And the other problem that you get into is oftentimes Russell pursue, uh, perceives pressure and, and he's constantly escaping out of the back of the, the, uh, the pocket. Therefore, he's creating pressures, he's creating sacks, he's creating missed opportunities. 
Um, I always talk about the anticipatory nature of throwing the football into windows, and we've seen this a lot with Tua, how he'll throw the ball and it'll look like he's throwing it right to a safety. All of a sudden, a wide receiver comes into the screen and snatches the ball out of the air. Those are things you don't see in the Denver Broncos offense. You see the design of those things, and you see receivers coming open into those windows, but he doesn't anticipate those windows opening, and he'll just take off and run and try to scramble around and make a play. And so I can see and feel the frustration of Sean Payton, who wants to orchestrate an offense, and a quarterback who can't actually orchestrate the offense that he wants to 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 basically implement. So those are the things that are going on here. And just based on the lack of production and lack of offensive uh, proficiency, I understand why they did it. So Mark had a lot of stuff in there that he buried of just nuggets, in my opinion, across the board. And what stands out to it is that a few years ago, and I'm talking like three years ago on this channel, after a couple of the post games of Russ, right around even like the 2020 territory, there was just some of these signs you were seeing of some of the things that are the exact things that Schlereth is talking about. Lack of anticipation on throws, lack of playing within structure. Just can't sometimes see, you know, the whole field and what's going on. Some of that's just, of course, a bit of a height restriction. Though, again, when you kind of combo up the height restriction with the unwillingness to do the anticipatory throw, like Schlereth was talking about with Tua, where Tua's got that same height limitation, but he'll let it gun it in there. And it goes back to an old quote of Steve Young when he was asked about this back in his heyday. And they would say to Steve, you know, you're so undersized, Steve, at the quarterback position. How do you see Jerry Rice? You, you know, you're so, so pinpoint on where you're putting the ball, it would seem like at times. And he would say, look, we just practiced that so many times. I know exactly at the moment when Jerry's going to be at his spot, and I'm throwing it blind. I'm just throwing it to a spot because I can't see over the top of those treetops in front of me. And that's the case with Russell. So you have those limitations there that are still readily existing that were there when we saw him at the end in Seattle. This is part of why I've always said you really can't have Russell come in and play within the confines of an NFL offense. You've got to build around what he does well and then maximize that in order to get the most out of him. And that's the hard part here when it comes to, let's say, even the Denver Broncos here where I think part of in maximizing that, you've got to try to commit to actually building an offensive line that can pass protect somewhat decently. And I think they pass protected a little bit better this year, but it still has always been kind of an issue even there in Denver as it was an issue here in Seattle. Some of this is, of course, on Russ because he will be a guy that tends to hold the ball for a long period of time. See the lack of always playing on structure. But there's also a lot of things that he can still bring. His mobility still comes into play as we've seen this year, maybe sometimes too much as Mark talked about he'll go to that scrambling too often and look to it all over the place, but he still has it, especially if he's committed to staying uh, leaner, excuse me, I've got a frog stuck in my throat, uh, as he's uh, commits to staying maybe a little leaner and faster and able to be, you know, quicker out there to go get it, then, hey, uh, you know, that's another plus that he brings to the table. Uh, you know, be able to attack deep. We certainly have seen that that's something that can be useful if you can, you know, command in your running game, the safety to come up in the box. If you can remove from the defenses, the ability to run cover two specifically, then that's a way with where, you know, Russell can be very, you know, deadly at that point. But there is going to be really only a very narrow, narrow entryway to Russell coming back to Seattle. And there's certainly an argument to be made at this point that he has just simply burned too many bridges on his way out of town. It was not the most gentlest, easiest, of partings. You know, you had the year out in advance of submitting the four teams that he had listed that he would be willing to be traded to. Uh, you had the talk about him wanting to be paid $60 million and then, you know, getting hit too much. And it, it kind of 
went definitely down a sideways direction. And this is a little bit of why you've had Russell, uh, at least Coach Carroll, appear at times with when talking about Russ to to be willing to kind of, you know, throw even just maybe some subtle subtle shade back at Russ armband when he talks about that or when he's asked if the fans should boo Russ when he comes back to Seattle. You know, I don't know. They can just do they can just do whatever they feel. <laughs> you know, he was very kind of noncommittal about that, which is a rarity for Carroll. So um, maybe there is, an, it, there is a point here where he has just burned that bridge too much. And maybe there's a spot where John Schneider doesn't want to see any part of Mark Rogers now or into the future. I think that that uh, certainly uh, would make sense if it would be that way. But Seattle has their own decision to make in regards to Geno Smith this offseason. And they as well don't necessarily have any kind of real true certainty at their own quarterback position here as far as the backup goes with Drew Locke because he's on a one-year contract. So where this comes back and pairs back over to Seattle, in my opinion, and this is the part that's my opinion, and this is not the part of me having a dog in the fight saying, yes, let's go get Russ, or no, I don't want any part of Russ. This is just to say that this is sort of what it would take, which would be for Russ to either A, come back in on a one-year, very cheap contract, or B, come back in on a multi-year, very cheap, heavily heavily incentive-laden contract. Because Seattle could look at that point to move Geno. Let's say you had Russ come back and willing to take something real low. I mean, he's been paid at this point. You could make the argument to Russ at this point that, hey, maybe you're looking to do some repairing of your reputation and improve what is it, the Q score on your brand? Well, a good way to do that would maybe to take it even one year less of a deal where you're not trying to go out there and get every last cent. Um, and maybe be with an eye of re- rebuilding a little bit of rap- reputation. And again, I think Russ has been definitely way overshaded for some of the stuff that he's been banged on here over the last year. I mean, he's he's definitely caught more, there, I think, than any pro athlete I can remember in the past year. And it's it certainly has become at times a bit of a a pig pile, you know, where you just you jump was just jumping jumping on top of the other, and he's just underneath. And uh, you got to give the guy a lot of credit and respect for the fact that this is a this is a Walter Payton Ward winner. This is a guy that's been great off the field in every way that no one can question that part of him. And he's also a guy that's always taken the high road in this situation at every single turn. Um, and that's a, that is a testament to who he is and his character on this that I don't, uh, that I, I wouldn't question. You know, there's some things that I have issues with Russ, but that's not a part I would. So there's a pathway to me if you wanted to transition from one back over to the other. Russ takes the cheap deal. You uh, lower down collectively how much the quarterback uh, is going to cost you next season at the very bare minimum. You can still then go draft your QB of the future if you want for the guy to be then sitting behind Russ. And then it comes down to another, the other key aspect of this. If you go down this road, again, not to say I'm asking them to go one road or the other. I'll let you guys debate or push which way you guys want to go with that. But if you want to go down this road and you finally have Russ down at a point where he's come to his, you know, Come to his reality point on this. Oh, I, I realize I can't command $60 million a year and expect that you're going to be able to build a nice offensive lineup around me. I'm actually going to have to maybe you know, remove a little bit to get that. But if you can get that back on the other side of it, now maybe able to build up an offensive line, the likes of which Russell Wilson hasn't had here since he walked in the door in 2012, then there is a way that you could build back in the offense around what he does specifically, what he's good at specifically. You're not ramrodding him into something that he isn't. You're allowing him to be what he is. You build into what he is on that. Whereas before you weren't able to fully do that because it's my belief and I'm very consistent with this that you you pay the quarterback so much money. You put so much into that investment 
you got to pull from other places. And, and there is a draw, I think, to pull from somewhere then on the offense that you want to then take from rather than going to the defense and saying, let's make our defense minuscule and try to superpower our offense. There's a party that we got to make our defense at least respectable here or we're going to get walked over. So you have an ability now to move into a strategic approach with Russell Wilson and how you build this around him in a way that you couldn't uh, at no time through his prime and certainly not at the end of his run here, but how you did do when he walked in the door when he was only commanding 1% of your salary cap in the first couple of seasons. And so uh, it's a move that I think, again, because of the, bur- the burned bridges part of this that comes into effect, that's a major part of this. Uh, but I, it is something that I could see finding a way and a, a pathway to come through and occur if all of those factors are considered. The Hawks would know Russell best. Uh, they could look at it, I think, with a similar outlook that I've looked at it with, being that, well, we know how to get the most out of number one. Number two, the biggest impediment to maximizing him and maximizing the team with him on the team being that he commanded so much salary and he was eating so much of that cap up every year has now been removed. And if we have Russell at 92% of what he was in his prime, but we're paying him 15, 10% of what we paid him during that prime, can we build the rest of the team around him into a Super Bowl contender? Uh, my feeling is I, I, I don't have a much of a dog in this fight at this point. Uh, my real true hope is that the Hawks just look to build to that offensive line first and foremost. I know many get caught up with the quarterback position as the number one end-all be-all here, and I get that. But from my perspective, I just want to see the offensive line built, and I think that whoever you then put a quarterback behind that's going to get a chance to flourish be it a cheaper Russell, be it another year of Geno Smith, be it a rookie quarterback that you go out there and draft, in the, in, that you go out there and pick in the draft. This thing with Russell Wilson, you could see coming. And I said you guys could see this coming a couple of years ago. I warned Denver fans who came in here and showed their ass many a times over to me about how much we were going to get the hell beaten out of us for this trade, how badly we're going to look in historical terms for this trade as Seahawks, not talk fans, but just the organization itself, of course. I told them and I told them to be careful. I told them to be careful because what you've done is you've actually created a powder keg when you think that you're sitting on a sitting on a pile of gold. It's really just a powder keg and one little flick of the match and that thing's going to blow. And my point to them was you guys have had back-to-back seasons where your pass blocking efficiency's been 26th and then 28th respectively. You're going to provide him the same almost to a man offensive line now as he comes aboard. He's a guy who holds the ball for a long period of time. He's a guy not as mobile as he once was. And you're going to put him behind this offensive line that can't pass protect particularly well. And that's going to be putting him under an onslaught and is going to be testing his pocket presence, which is one of the places he struggles in right now, recognizing where the pressure is coming from and how it's, how it's arriving. And you're, you're, not going, you're going to remove that. Uh, you're going to put him right back into that barrel a little bit. On top of the fact that you're now pairing him with Hackett and Hackett you brought in as, an, as a guy because you thought you were getting Aaron Rodgers. That's part of what really drove that Denver trade was that they had such, you know, they made such googly eyes over there at Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers that they're like, we'll bring in the coach you want and we'll run your offense and we'll, you know, we'll get you. And then Aaron kind of pulled the rug out or Green Bay pulled the rug out from under them and they didn't get him at the last second. So that's where they were like, you know, 
you know, like the kid at the dance gets scorned and then looks over at the other, looking for any other girls on the, on the wall on the other side that might not be dancing already. I'm like, okay, you, you know. But then you're going to put them into a West Coast offense, which we had learned the previous year with Waldron and trying to run Waldron's is just not, that's not a fit to Russ. You got to commit to running kind of your own thing. And uh, maybe that's not the right way to go. Maybe it's more to, to lean into these modern uh, advances and uh, all of that with the, with the game and where it's at now and not trying to go into more of the simplified, which that offense would call for. But if you build it the right way, I guess there's a chance for success. Either way, though, there's certainly a, a point here with Russell Wilson where he's going to have to make some big decisions here at this offseason where the next choice he makes on where he goes and what he does you know, could be the determining factor on how much further along his career does go. I, I would do nothing but root for the guy. I had hoped for us to get the best draft returns that we got from it um, after we were getting the picks back from him, after he didn't want to be here. And it sucks that he had to leave with a little bit of acrimony there at the end that was there. But nonetheless, uh, like I said, I, you, you got to feel bad for the guy with having the year he's had. It's been one hell of a rough year where everyone's taken sort of their turn to, you know, take their shot on it. Um, and this uh, just sort of keeps continuing. It's well beyond a year now, even now with this one. Um, but uh, certainly you could feel this was coming with Peyton, the blow up on the sideline with Russ a couple weeks ago as uh, coaches in the modern NFL rarely do that. Uh, thinking back on it now, that almost feels sort of theatrical if you think about it a little bit of, you know, well, you could see my frustration with Russ on the sideline. I was, I, I just, you know, I had reached my point. You could see it. I just couldn't no longer just be quiet. You know, he gets to kind of say it in that fashion a little bit. Let's see what you guys think, though. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this today and where you guys stand on this, uh, potentially bringing back Russ, potentially not bringing back Russ. Please do uh, leave a comment uh, below. I'll be, of course, chopping up with you guys here in the chat. We're going to be doing a quick, uh, it's not going to be a super long show tonight. I swear, I know I say that before, but tonight I got some uh, stuff I want to do. So um, we'll chop it up here for a bit tonight. I appreciate you guys watching. Please do uh, hit that like button. I want to thank all the new subscribers, too. From it looks like the Jamal Adams video, which is doing tremendously well here over the last uh, about day and a half. Um, so thank you to all the new folks that signed up on that. We are now almost about, I think, 150, 250, something like that away here from 15,000 subscribers. will be a big spot for this channel. So thank you to everybody for uh, coming aboard and doing that as you guys have on that side of things. Um, Megan Gock, Roger. Oh my goodness, Megan. Look out. Look out, Megan Gockroger coming in the house and starting us off right and true. Thank you so much, Megan. Oh my goodness, I don't even know what to say. Megan coming in with a $200, $200 donation tonight on the stream. Megan, you are unbelievable. Mwah, I appreciate you. It says, wish you all, uh, wish you and all the 12s a very happy new year. It has been an interesting year to say the least, but no matter what happens, Onwards and upwards to a bright future for us all. Well, Megan, uh, great words on top of thank you so much for all of your support to the channel. I appreciate the donations. You are, of course, uh, one of the, the great longtime donators to this channel on top of being our main mod on in here um, and handling business in the chat. Uh, as you do, I thank you for everything you do for the channel on all these different levels. And uh, a happy new year and a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. I, I hope uh, you are feeling better out there. I know you are in recovery mode and hopefully the prognosis is uh, nothing but good going forward. And uh, definitely say a prayer in that respect for you. But thank you so much for the, um, thank you so much for the donations, to the channel and all your support. I have unbelievable, unbelievable support to this channel. Um, it is here every time I go live. You guys are always there showing that love. And um, it's just, I, 
thank you just does never seem enough, Megan, in that respective thing. So I, I hope you know I appreciate you and thank you very much for that. She also, with a $5 donation, says, hell no on Russ coming back. He burnt the bridges down when he left, so there's no way in hell I want him back. This becomes the impediment, I think, Megan, beyond any of the jumping of any of the hurdles financially and how all of that work. I, I could see a, the, the true theoretical path here where Russ does say, hey, I'll take the discount. That'll help do some reputational rebuilding, come back to Seattle, maybe even just on a year deal. Uh, but then there is the Russ, there is the Carol Schneider aspect and how they stand on it. And I sort of fit, feel them sitting there looking at this and I wonder, do they look at it chagrined? Do they look at it going, do they look at it nodding and feeling vindicated? You know, for years of, uh, of kind of overcoming some of this stuff that nobody would give them credit for overcoming. In fact, a lot of times they were taking shade for it, you know, in the respect of people going, you're not protecting Russ enough. You're not doing enough to get him those, uh, which in itself wasn't the wrong opinion, but it's again, backtrack to the, <laughs> the amount of money he was wanting to be paid at the time and how that was going to sort of impede you and how you put together your roster. But uh, I think that that's probably going to be uh, a common a common feeling of this. I think, Megan, you do bring up uh, what's going to be, I think, a good idea here on the show today, which would be to do a, uh, a poll on whether or not you guys would like to see Russ back or not. So thank you for reminding me of that, Megan, uh, for that, because I think that would be a great poll to do here. It would be, let's, uh, let's, I get the earpiece finally out of my ear. Is that pretty cool or what? Let's get, um, let's get a poll up. Let's see what you guys think on this one. There we go. I'm gonna be interested to see where this one goes. Be very interested, but thank you for the uh, idea there, Megan. And Megan, again, thank you so much for the $200 donation. I really, really appreciate you for everything you do and your guys' support on this channel. Unbelievable. I, I see so many different channels out there, Megan, that, you know, don't have, that are up at 30, 40,000 that still have to go out there and do a full-time job and have, have to be out there kind of beating the, you know, streets and then tired, get them and do, come home and get just a little bit in. Get to do this nothing but 24-7 on this channel now and have been able to do it for now a long time. And it's, it's, just because of you guys. I mean, it's that's really specific, specifically it. So uh, appreciate you. Uh, much love out to you. And uh, I do hope you are feeling better out there. Uh, linebacker says, no, God, please, no. <laughs> and Misfit says, no. Answer is the no, the end. That's a wrap. Uh, Goldie Cobb says, will never happen, but good clickbait. <laughs> uh, Brando says, the Hawks Nest, I was personally ready to move off of Russ when he lost to Colt McCoy and the Giants a few years back. I'll always appreciate Russ's time here, but he can't come back. Yes, Gino is a better quarterback right now. Fair points. Fair points. I'm presenting it. I'm presenting it to my people and let him take from there. A King says, I'm going down. I'm down for Russell coming back. Would be a hell of a story. It, we love redemption arcs, don't we? Nothing like a redemption arc in America. Linebacker, I think Russ coming back would be a plus. However, I don't want that diva nor the contract he would demand after next year. Pete and John Schneider have to have uh, have been building something great. For Russ to swoop in at the last second to take credit would be the worst. Oh, you know, Russ would be like, well, I'm the reason those guys got that draft picks, you know. <laughs> 
Linebacker says the prodigal son memes would be fire though. I'd have some fun with some thumbnails there. You know, I would. But I get where, people are, I get where folks are coming from on this and uh, I don't have any pushback for it. I just kind of wanted as much as anything to get a general feeling from folks on where they would stand on this. And it is certainly going to be something that is going to be there in consideration when you are sitting on a quarterback situation where you have your own type of decision to make. Gino has played better than Russ, I think, and he's going to make that decision eminently harder for the Hawks to pull because he's not commanding as much money. It's not as much you're on the hook for, for Gino if you decide to go in um, into the future. But um, it is an interesting thing in as far as just in consideration, you know. We like to consider all the angles here at the Hawks Nest. Nick, it says a lot of deflection in Sean Payton's presser. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those points where you look at it and no matter what Sean says here, this is an action speak way louder than words. I mean, it's like a, a bullhorn being spoken by the Denver organization and Sean Payton. To make this move and to do this right now absolutely signals that they're, they're moving off. And it's something that I've, as, again, I'm not trying to, this is not a toot my own horn thing. This is something where I've been telling you guys for a long time here on the channel, this is where this is going and this is where Peyton has been subtly signaling he was headed for a very long period of time. They signaled it to you when they signed Jared Stitham. I told you that this offseason. I said, hey, you guys, that's a $2, million, two year, $11 million deal that you signed Jared Stitham to. That's, that's no bit, I know that's like, well, that's just a $2 million 11. That's not a lot. It's not a lot yet when you consider the fact you just signed Russell to this major contract. And when you look across the league at all these other contracts that are handed out to these other big time quarterbacks for big time money, the team then goes with a very cheap option behind them. They don't go out there and give a top end backup quarterback market deal to a guy after the pay in the frontline guy that after they just signed that frontline guy to that contract, you want to kind of, you know, load balance some things, right? And so that was a signal right there that Peyton wasn't, wasn't too sure about Russ. It's going to give it a go, going to give it a try, you know, but it didn't mean that he had a lot of faith that it was something that was going to succeed at the same time. Flame makes us no, please God, don't return this man to our team. <laughs> I, that's, I think the poll is going to be pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty straightforward. <laughs> Tommy says, it's the only uh, team that his play style fits well who actually could use a vet quarterback. I'm just saying, I'm just saying on that point, right? Exactly, Tommy, you know? I'm just saying, uh, that. oh, Rust Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. That could totally, they could totally go that direction. And Atlanta, with their record this year, has kind of pushed themselves out of contention from being able to be in position to go get one of the top-end quarterbacks. So that might be the move that also might be made here. Great point. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, let me get a couple of these donos back here. Sorry, I got a little bit, a little bit be, uh, behind here. Uh, Corey Olson, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, I think Denver is just not a great team. Also, I feel teams have figured him out at this point in his career. Uh, thank you, Corey. I uh, appreciate that fiver. And uh, yes, I, I think that there's, that's a great way of putting it too, where there's a lot of nuance on the, the different things that come into effect there to, you know, cause this to be what it is. And um, yeah, first and foremost, Denver's just not a great team. That's, that's at the head of it. Uh, they, were, they were vastly overrating both themselves internally and probably nationally when, when Russ went there as to what they really were and how they were, though some of this is again, Hayden causing this where you move on from Evero this offseason rather than just keeping a good thing going. He had to kind of make the defense his own thing. Um, and, and it's gone a little bit back. It's gone backwards because of it. Um, 
And yeah, then you come down to the thing, Corey, that this is a little bit of stuff that impacts even, you know, Coach Carroll and some of the things that I, I point out with Carroll and, you know, his defense and his approach defensively is that when you just do this thing for 10 years in the NFL, when you're playing a certain way for 10 years and in Russell's you know, case, he's really played the same way for 10 years. He's, he's advanced himself in certain respects. He's gotten better in certain things to a degree. But he really, for more, more for, for better or worse, has really been kind of the, better, the same kind of player throughout. And the issue with that, like you say, Corey, is that you have these tendencies that teams can then figure out and lean into and understand. And they can take those tendencies away, the things you want to do and force you into the things you don't want to do. You're either able to answer that or not. You're able to end, hit that curveball or you end up going back to the minors because you can't hit the, you can't hit the curveball, you know, and um, that's a little bit, I think, of what's at play here, you know, in that case, Corey. Yeah, well said on your part. And thank you for the donation. Uh, Nicholas Newton with a $2 donation says, and uh, in all caps lock says, absolutely not, Brandon, not welcome here ever, ever, ever. You guys are, you guys are uh, pretty unison on this one, Nicholas. I'm surprised to hear kind of. I mean, it's cool. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. I, I more just want, I sometimes just want to take, take your guys' pulse out here and see where everybody's at exactly on where their standing is on certain stuff. So I was just kind of, I was pulse checking a little bit today. So it's, I'm feeling the passionate answers and uh, it's coming through. Um, Megan with another $2 donation says, I wonder what Brandon Perna thinks. What did he, he have on his, oh, I watched a little bit of his video. Um, He's pretty happy to, I think, go on with it. I, I think, you know, they've they've seen in Denver there for a year and a half a lot of the stuff we'd seen with Seattle, and where it's the it's the good and the bad, but the bad just gets you so sometimes a little bit more dissuaded than the good. Um, what do you say? It was an error, error, and oh, it was it? So he has, I think his thumbnail title, Megan, was end of an error rather than end of an era. They did end of an E-R-R-O-R, end of an error. Kind of clever little uh, thumbnail. But um, yeah, the one thing I did notice, Megan, is I, I, I did notice to your, your question on this, Perna apologized officially to Seattle fans, acknowledging that we indeed did try to warn them. <laughs> so, so Denver's officially let us off the hook on this one, understanding that they're hubris and ego didn't allow them to hear the warnings from the 12s we were just trying to keep those midwesterners from feeling the tidal wave and they didn't want to hear it not for sale thank you for the five dollar donation uh he says russ deserves everything coming to him in my opinion he forced his way out of seattle thinking the grass was greener god bless pete and john yeah god bless pete and john and uh i i Again, I don't have any pushback on this from this standpoint of things. If, if uh, you know, we're in that st- you know stance of, and I do, in a lot of ways, have a lot of sympathy for that. Uh, I don't know if the reports are true about him absolutely, maybe even calling for jobs, and if he just went total scorched earth on his way out of town. The boy style of scorched earth, scorched earth, scorched earth. But um, indeed, it uh, that made. Made, that's a big part of, I think, of what will hold people back from having him back here is just that he definitely at the end kind of did a lot of, you know, it, it wasn't that he just got crazy with it, but it was enough. 
you know, and it was stuff that was very pointed as far as what they were choosing to do that was very calculated and it, it I think came off that way to a lot of 12s and has definitely soured him on a lot of 12s and I I do understand that it's you know I, I, I can completely get that but it does sound like not for sale you and uh, most of I've yet to read one person in the chat so far saying that they're open to it so holy moly he is yeah it's it's definitely uh, the waxy wings have been burned by the sun you guys know what I'm talking about just a little bit too high on that one, you know. Washington Fist Quest, thank you for uh, celebrating 26 months as a member of the channel. Over two years, my man. Let's go. Thank you for that long membership. Appreciate you. Says awesome. Your glitched video. It says awesome. Your glitch video blew up. Masterful. Ah, thank you, Washington Fist Quest. Yeah, I wasn't sure on that one. You know, you try to not dip your toes into the negative waters as much as you can because you can get quite a volcanic reaction. But uh, people seem to be liking the the glitch video, man. We went over we went over almost twenty six thousand views, and we're just barely crossed over twenty four hours. So that's for me. That's like oof. That's about as good as it gets on that side of it for me. So thank you to everybody that watched and checked out on that video too. Everything's been doing awesome, <laughs> awesome. Uh, Jordan, uh, thank you for the uh, ten dollar donation. Says I wouldn't mind him coming back. But I'm not one of those fans that made it personal over a business decision that owners and GMs make all the time. But I would rather have Gino. Thank you, Jordan, for the $10 donation. And uh, I, th I certainly think I felt at the time a lot more hotter to your point. I think I, I, I find myself a little bit closer to finally, you know, where your alignment is at with it, where, where I would stand, where when this all went down and the trade happened with Russ, there, there's certainly some not it's not bitterness to me even in him leaving it's just everything that he drove to move out the door and you know pushing all of this to happen and my feeling on it is i don't have an issue with you russ not necessarily happy where you are or feeling like you're not having your talents maximized but my issue comes in is that you know you make that determination just a mere like two years ago when you were having your contract negotiations and going look i i'm kind of good here i want to i, I want to go and do that at that time i just didn't think that that occurred overnight like that over just a quick two-year stretch so, um, cause it put the, it put the team in potential, very, very perilous situation leaving as he did and having to ask them to eat the dead money that they were going to have to eat to move on from him out the door. But, uh, at this point we've gotten the draft picks back. The returns have been, the returns are, have been good. And, um, you know, it's, it's worked out in our favor, you know? And if he, uh, if he had humble pie and came down a lower, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'll consider it for sure. But I do think, like you said, Gino's just probably the better answer where it stands. And I certainly have been very happy with what I've seen from Gino and, and how he's played over these past couple of years. And like I say with Russell, if you give Gino that offensive line, he too will flourish at his best. He too will be maximized at his best. Thank you for the uh, donation, Jordan. I appreciate you, man, and great thoughts. Stephen A. Simmons, super chatted a $10 donation, says he'd be a legit backup. It's got to be the interesting point there, Stephen, isn't it? Does it, you know, first off, I, Atlanta, as, as was mentioned, is absolutely on the button as a potential landing zone. That, that could be a fit there. there. It does stand out when you look at the teams across the board this offseason who are needing a quarterback that there's probably going to be somebody that would probably reach for him with the Raiders. 
go out there and take a look at Russ. Yeah, there's probably somebody out there that would go look for him. I, they, they would probably bring him in for that, some of that competition, I would imagine, Steven. But um, it may just be where you know, he's at right now, too, where it's, it may be time for him at this point to slide more into just being the backup. And the boy, if, it, if he is at that spot, Steven, I, I wonder if Russ would have the, the want of, to serve in that role. You know, I, I wonder if that would be just his cue to be like, okay, then I'm done. I feel like it would be if he was, if that was where he was firmly kind of affixed. But it's going to be very interesting to see what happens this offseason with that. So I think about it, I just think there's so many teams that need quarterbacks, and there are a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. But, and somebody, somebody will look at his stats this year even and go, well, Denver's, you know, we'll take that. As long as we don't pay $60 million a year for it, I mean, we'll, we'll start that. Just might be there, Steven. Thank you for the $10 don't know. Would Russ be a backup, man? I don't know. Stony Montana. I love the uh, username, and uh, thank you for uh, subscribing, Stony. Lester Krause with a $2 donation. Uh, it says, uh, Meg DM'd me and said she'd forgotten you take off your... She'd forgotten... You take off shirt. <laughs> I'm a 45-year-old man. Nobody needs to be seeing a 45-year-old man shirtless. That's, that's, not, that's not doing anybody any favors. <laughs> oh, she had forgotten to tell you to take off your shirt. <laughs> hey, for $200. $200, man. But if I if I didn't know it was gonna make a hundred hundred and fifty of the chat go away if I did it, <laughs> I'd do it for two hundred. Maybe on the Twitch channel, Megan. Um, thank you though, uh, Lester, for the two dollar donation. Uh, Deboli twenty one super chatted a two dollar donation. Says this was the plan all along. I love it, man. The master plan. Russell returns back to Seattle, like the like the returning Jedi with got the cloak hood over his cloak right returning to the big monster gates of seattle and renton right and they're extra big because he's on kind of the shorter end of things he's like the doors open carol stands forward long long beard white flowing robe right carol the white right carol the white he's looking down at him he's like i see you have returned and Russell's looking at him like, I have returned back, Master. Have we gotten what you sought out to get? Or my odyssey? Indeed we have. You may now come back in. Something like that. You know? Something like that. Kind of a quasi-Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, kind of Carol Gandalf, Russell. Kind of part Hobbit, part Scoop, Luke Skywalker. Big hairy feet. Uh, Taker610, thank you for the $2 donation. It says, so the bucking Bronco threw Ross off, huh? I, I try to warn this as well two years ago of Russ because Taker, to your point, he said, let's ride. Let's ride. And I said, Russ, I said, you do understand. A Bronco is an untamed horse. It's not the horse you ride. 
It's the horse that you let somebody break. And then you eventually ride it, right? You don't just ride the horse. You let him break the horse, then you ride it. But that's the problem. And as he was doing the hold my beer move, right? Looking at his friends like, hey, watch me. I'm going to get on this wild horse. Check me out. Get a shot. Get a pick. Get bra. Get a pick. Bra. Get a pick. Get a pick. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. I want to look cool. <laughs> bye bye, Russ. <laughs> You don't want to ride Broncos, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody ever tells you, yeah, we got you a horse today to ride. Do you? Yes, we do. We're going to put you on this horse. It's a Bronco. Mm -mm. You don't want that one. You don't want that one. Uh, thank you, though, Taker. Uh, Jose Garcia, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, he will look good as a commander or panther. Laugh my ass off. That may be that... Uh, is backup role that uh steven was intimating about there a little bit um being uh <laughs> being that he goes to back up bryce young thinking you know well i can overtake bryce atlanta raiders those would be probably my top two right off the right off the cuff potential destinations maybe washington whatever the hell they're going to be choose to be named at some point I'm just going to go back to the to be determines. That's what I was when they were the football team. I'm going back to that. Commanders is just as good. And I hear they're going to change the name again. So it's TBDs from here on forward. You should be TBD'd. But uh, commanders are a possibility, Jose. I could see it, man. I could see it for sure. I don't know. There's also the rumor, Jose, that, you know, Belichick might be either going there or I don't know. There's a little, that, that one's going all over the place, that rumor, but Russ and Belichick, can you imagine that Russ and Belichick in Washington <laughs> talk about like those colors don't match. Yeah. That pan, those pants do not go with that suit. I'm just saying. Steven, uh, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, love the channel, man. Next team for us. So I, I'll give you, I'll give you, a, thank you, Steven, for the uh, donation. Let's, let's give the top five teams, in my opinion, for us. I'm going to give you the no BS, bottom line, me not taking a little mamby-pamby stance here on where I sit with, you know, Russ and all that. Let me give you the top five team for Russell Wilson Services this offseason. At number one, uh, we'll go Atlanta Falcons. Heavy rushing attack, 50-50 pass to run rate. Uh, great offensive line there for Russ. Good location for him to be instilled at. Um, boom. I think they're number one right off the riff. Uh, easy peasy. No doubt about that. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with the Raiders. You know, would Sierra like to have a little Vegas run and, and do a little bit of her own little show there? Maybe get uh, paid to herself on that through like those kind of Vegas shows where those Older uh, pop stars can kind of get into. Maybe so. Uh, Raiders are, to me, a potentially one that's in play. So let's go with them as my number two Russ destination. My number three destination is going to be a familiar one. You Seattle Seahawks. I think the Hawks are potentially in play here. Some of this is I don't know how badly the bridges are burned in the background. They may be still a lit. They may be still be aflamed. They may still be having gasoline dumped on them by John Schneider and Coach Carroll. We don't know. 
but I'm going to say for now, I'm putting them in the, I'm putting them in the dance territory on that. They're dancing in that territory. So we'll stick the, uh, Seahawks at number three. My number four team would be Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins happens to leave this off season and they want to try to pay a cheaper or no fourth is going to be commanders. Sorry. And then I'll go with the fifth is, is the Minnesota Vikings. That, that feels to me like maybe Cleveland, maybe Cleveland instead of Minnesota. But there's the thing with Cleveland is they're stuck on that Deshaun Watson contract. They don't have the out that Denver does because of the fact that it's a fully guaranteed deal. So uh, I don't think, I don't think that the, the Browns will be in play. But those will be my top five, Stephen. Top five right there in Atlanta. Boy, that's a, whoever mentioned that one at the rip on that one, Tommy or whoever above, that, that's right on, that, that's putting the dart right in the red zone. Nicholas Newton, thank you for the $5 donation. Come on, Brandon. You're not surprised to hear it from me laughing out loud. No, no, not at all. And I don't, I don't dissuade it either for the folks that are anti this. And I, I, you know, I, this is where I come back. Go, I, I get the perspective here on this one. You know, we all, we all went through that process. We all went over that bumpy road and those 90 degree turns with cliffs falling off on either side of us. You know, was that highway one out there in California drive the death highway? That's what it felt like there at the end with Russ a little bit. But uh, I do get it too, Nicholas, and I don't, I would not besmirge it. It is in a place that's just coming from a pure emotionality that's not based in some real tangible reasons to feel not only frustrated, but also to be in the state of just, I'm, yeah, no, I'm done with that experience. I want to go to something else, you know. Somebody's firing a gun outside. Okay. Somebody's firing a gun outside. Okay. Yeah. Those were those were close gunshots. <laughs> Uh, that was not backfire. Okay. Whew. Moving on. Uh, thank you though, Nicholas, for the $5 donation. Appreciate you for that. And uh, not surprised in the least, <laughs> nor do I blame you. Uh, Kirk Stemmer, thank you for the $2 donation. Says Russ could make prime Walter Jones look bad. It's true. He does not help out his offensive line. And, and certainly that's where, when I know he was talking at times a bit to, you know, about getting hit too much in Seattle. I'm getting hit too much in Seattle over there. We've got to get that, like, you know, there was Dwayne Browns out there and whatnot that were sitting there shaking their head going, yeah, 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 okay. Because he was a guy that was on a yearly basis clocked as being the guy that, you know, had held the ball for the longest in the pocket than anybody else. Um, I, I think some of that was a little bit, of course, to a degree of Coach Carroll and, and his saying, hey, I want you to see it open. I don't want you to always throw it open or anticipate it open because Coach Carroll's adverse, of course, to turnovers. And that's one way that you avoid turnovers is not leaning into those anticipatory throws because there's sometimes you're going to anticipate the guy's going to be in the spot and he's not there. But, but he does put his linemen in some bad situations. I, I remember going back to the, one of the final years he had here. He had a third and, I think it was a third and, Five play, 
and you got a three-step drop and the lineman short sets, which, you know, if you have a lineman and they're going to get into a kick block on a seven-step drop, you know, it's going to go, and then they're set up, right? Two, three good steps to get out there. When you short set, you're just going to be, boom, boom, bop. Come down and you short set on two steps. Short steps, right? Because there's you. what you want to do as a lineman there is you want to get into the defensive lineman as quickly as you can because it's going to be a, sh- a quick pass, a real fast firing throw by Russell on what you're, you're anticipating as a lineman, a three-step drop. And so what you want to do is what they call punish the leapers, where you want to make sure you can get your hands into that defensive lineman or defensive end before he can get jumping up in the air to knock the ball down. And the way you do that is just drive into his chest so that if he jumps in the air, he's getting thrown on his back. And uh, if, you, if you long set it, you know, dun, 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 if I long set out, then that guy can not only potentially have a pathway into rust there, but I can't get back out to him to keep him up, keep him on from getting up off the ground to knock the ball down. And so Dwayne short set it. It was against the Bears. Short sets out. Russell on the third step drop looks at the thing and then pads it and then decides he's going to continue to back up out of the pocket and gives that edge then a direct line to him to sack him at that point. He had uh, Dwayne Brown at the play hopping mad. And that's the kind of thing that um, it does make it hard on those linemen with him at times. That's part of why I say you do have to, in my opinion, give him those great linemen and even them, he's going to at times not make them look their best you know, by holding that ball. Do you get some of the upshot at that point if you build that line to where you're drawing the safety up into the box, you can actually run on anybody now. You also have the home run hitters that can hit over the top because you can attack the single high safety coverage you're going to get on the other side of that. That, that was a little bit of the question at hand to me in, in considering this a bit. But uh, thank you, Kirk. Appreciate you and well said. Stephen Penner, thank you for another $2 donation. Uh, says, love your channel, man. We need to keep Gino. I'm with that. I'm with it. Uh, you guys know I'm very pro Gino, and I'm not bailing on him now just because we're here and Russ is probably going to be cut. That's for sure. Uh, and I still have, a, he's got all my support and everything that I've said throughout this year. I think that you going into this offseason, you need to attack the offensive line. And if you attack the offensive line, you will see improved quarterback play, be that either Geno Smith or be that either uh, maybe rookie quarterback you go out to draft, you know, or even a Drew Locke. Doesn't matter who you'd put back there. If you give a much better interior offensive line there, a line that can both run block and pass protect well, I think, and I know that's a hard thing to necessarily beat on the surface of things, but understanding that we've really not been able to bring just a solid core together. I'm not talking about a top three, top five unit, but just a solid core. It's often said that your offensive line's greatest strength is really derived from how good your weakest link is. And I think that that's probably pretty true when it comes to offensive line. And right, we've had the last few years too many weak links along the offensive line, which is part of why it doesn't always get the best to play out there. So that's really where the commitment's at. You're already on the books with, with Gino. I, I don't think that this Russell deal is going to come down the, the line because I, I do wonder a little bit about the burnt bridges. I do wonder about really what would be his willingness to truly uh, take a discounted deal, which I just don't think would would be something he'd be willing to do. Um, and then I also understand that you got the $17 million of dead money that you would have to eat if you move on from Geno Smith. That more puts you, I think, firmly back into kind of into bed back with Geno and, and having him as your starting quarterback more than it has you moving off of him. But it is an important decision and one that the Hawks are going to have to figure out, you know, what they uh, what they do with it. But uh, Jordan, I are uh, Steve and I do feel uh, I do feel the same way when you really break it down to the bottom line of it. Thank you, man, for your donations and appreciate the love. Jordan, thank you for uh, the $10 donation. 
another uh, donation there, Jordan. I think you pumped, you can put it in earlier there. Yeah, thank you for another $10 donation, Jordan. It says, just to clarify, I wasn't saying people shouldn't have their own opinions. I just find it weird when people try and take shots at his wife and get really personal about it. Either way, hashtag go Hawks. Thank you, Jordan, for the $10 donation. I, I do think there's a lot of things that do go outside the bounds and lines of things um, when it comes to, like you talk about the, the personal attacks and going you know overboard on him. Russell Wilson is a guy that's been a great pro. He's done uh, Walter Borden, Walter Payton Award winner, um, which I don't think was given lightly. He's done a lot of a lot of charitable work off the field, and he's been a a, a great man off the field by all accounts. Um, and that that part of the stuff that I, I I go that that's really as he gets sometimes shaded on some of that stuff. That's the part where I go I don't you know uh, when it comes to the football field or football related stuff uh, I will definitely throw and cast my share of shade towards Russell's direction, and I think it's, some of it's very well founded. But that stuff not well founded and, it, and that's that pig piling stuff jordan i believe too like you talk about that has i think occurred on russ over those last year where it's just it's it's felt like people kind of had their their bullets chambered there you know and the hammer pulled back and uh they were just waiting for the kind of time where they could kind of strike on that kind of situation and go with it and um that does you know that part is definitely unfair and uh, again as i say with russ you you got to give a look got a lot of credit for all the slings and arrows that have been shot at him here for the last two years from every different angle He's uh, always taken the high ground on it, never the low ground. And uh, that's a, a testament to his character, I think. Go Hawks, though, Jordan. And uh, no, I, I totally understand where you're coming from and what you said earlier, which uh, Jordan was uh, mentioning. Uh, I wouldn't mind him coming back. Uh, I'm not one of those fans that made it personal. But no, I, I get, that's where I get, where in, in Jordan, where we're really on the same page on that thing, where it's, it's not, there is, there is the people that definitely aren't going to take it, you know, that agree of that personal thing. Um, that's also the, just as I've learned, I think this year with some of the difficult discussions that we've had around Carol and the team of just how much the passions when they come out, you know, they're, it's great. They come out when it's an exuberance and we're celebrating. It's another thing when they're coming out in, um, in strife or in disagreement. And, uh, that's where then it gets a little bit turned and shifted in weird directions at times, Jordan's, you know, and it goes sideways sometimes at that point. But, uh, no, I, I'm with you on that. I agree. Uh, Nicholas Newton with another $10 donation. Nicholas, thank you for the triple dono tonight. Says, uh, best part is I am in Colorado visiting my daughter right now. This is wonderful news. My daughter says he's not welcome back in Seattle while he's wearing her new Hawks hat. While she's wearing her new Hawks hat. <laughs> you, you even got your daughter out on it, huh, Nicholas? Oh my goodness. She is her, she is her father's daughter. You know what I mean? <laughs> Situation went bad there quick, didn't it? I mean, Denver, John Payton said, not even a full year into Russ's experience here. And with him having some bounce back numbers from what it was last year, but still going, nope. Just absolutely just nope. They did try to get cute with him by asking him to take the, waive the injury guarantees. I'm sure Rogers laughed his butt off about that one. But uh, I can only wonder what the conversation's like in Colorado right now, Nicholas. It did seem like Perna and his channel was just kind of resigned to this is where this was going, so okay. But uh, 
I got to admit, it, it hasn't been that there's, I've, I felt a lot of love coming out of Denver fandom this year with Russ, even when they were starting to kind of roll a little bit, you know, like people were like, man, they're making some noise. Might they even be able to knock on the door of this division? They took down Kansas City. But they even then they've been pretty quiet on their side of it. So seems like even the Denver fans find themselves kind of in that place too of being like, all right, we're good. Let's go. And that's saying something because you consider how much money that they're having to roll on the other side of this. I mean, $35.4 million in 2024, $49.6 in 2025, $15 million of dead money. You can't move that. You can't shake that. You can't split that. You can't cut that. That's just a full money deal hit right there. I mean, how does Denver... If I'm Denver, I just, I go rebuild two years. I'm just, I'm cutting everything down for two years and pulling it down to the, the nub. What are you going to do with that much dead money? That's your just beginning dead money point in 2025. That's just where it starts dead money. That's not with any other players. You got dead money in the books. You could end up with 70, $80 million of dead money on your books that year. Whoa. Whoa. Thank you, Nicholas, for all your donations. I hope you and your daughter had a great, holiday and a merry christmas and uh great to see that you're uh being down there with her at that time hopefully it's not too cold there in denver or it's extra chilly sanchez thank you for the two dollar donation says chickens have come home to roost life hits hard life does hit hard man sanchez it, it can be um unmerciful and uh at least with russ he does have hundreds of millions of dollars to dry his tears Good. Uh, but it it's rough. It's rough. You ride high and you think you're just about to take uh, take even the world by further storm here going to Denver. And I got an organization that'll fully buy into what I want and what I've always thought I could do. And it just, it falls so hard. It falls so hard flat. And uh, it's the thing that a lot of players will tell players at their original team when they think about moving to other teams. It's just, it's a be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Number one. Number two, nobody is going to treat you as well as your first home and your first destination. No one's going to love you up like that place. And it, you'll, find, you'll come to find it's a, especially in the NFL circles, as you leave that first team, it's a cold, cruel world um, and, and how you mostly will be viewed at that point. So um, he's definitely facing that at this, at this time. And um, I think he's at least the, to Russell's favor on this. He's done enough this year as I think about it to just give himself a little bit of breathing room with some teams that will, Someone will offer him a starting job, I would think, this offseason. You know, the Atlanta idea, I think, is one that just stands so stands out so much, but someone will give him probably a job somewhere. Maybe not a lot of money, but he'll just have to eat that pie because there's not going to be anybody really offering anything either on the other side of it. Davies says, yeah, uh, no, but living in Georgia, I get to watch that team a lot. Russ would actually do well here. Good offensive line, good running back who can catch tall receivers and tight end. Yeah, I think that's a good spot for him, Tommy. I do. I think that's a great idea. The personnel fits to him. He's got that offensive line. I've been saying that he's been missing in, in his time here in Seattle for so much, in Denver for so much of his, his career. I think that that could definitely help. Vegas says, after what happened, I do not ever want Russ back in the Pacific Northwest. I just don't. I get it. I get it. Careful what you wish for, Megan. We're, we're thinking of like mind. Exactly. 
Exactly. Can't drive a golf cart either, apparently, says Scooby. <laughs> uh, uh, card Craze, thank you for reminding me. Do me a favor, folks. If you like what you're listening to today, please hit that like button for me. Helps the channel out. Helps me grow. Helps me show up on the old algorithms. Definitely appreciate it. Roland Connor was here. I married him today. I think she would have. Addis says, by the way, Russ got uh, no MVP votes ever while Geno Smith indeed received some MVP votes last year. Wow. I didn't know that the Geno Smith actually got some MVP votes last year. Crazy. Uh, it's good for Geno, uh, nonetheless. But yeah, Russ never, never got any MVP votes. And still probably at this point is going to have work to do to get himself into the Hall of Fame if we're talking honestly at this point. Hodge Music says Sean Payton's just a hater. Nate says Gino at 19, 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions, better than Russ's 26 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Well said, Nate. Well said, and I would agree with you. Houston Tudor says Russ is done. He's been awful and won't get enough money or guaranteed starting spot. Ooh. Definitely will have to compete, but I can see Atlanta saying, let's bring you in at five for a one-year million dollar, one-year, $5 million deal, one-year, $9 million deal, and then you'll compete with Desmond Ritter. But, you know, Desmond Ritter, I don't think could beat Russ out even. They just, you know what I mean, Jason? They won't build the quarterback comp too strong at that point, you know? Terry Reese says Sean Payton is really looking for a scapegoat. His constant swing passes are ridiculous. Yeah, the swing passes are definitely ones that uh, have been high prevalence of in the in the Broncos offense, which is strange because it's something that we didn't do a lot of with Russ here in Seattle. Oftentimes, we'd kind of ignore that pass, to be honest with you. But um, definitely been a real key part of what they've done. And uh, the very well may be the case there, Terry. I kind of wondered if Sean was ever really signed up for the Russ's experience. We, you notice with that deal that the negotiations between Payton and Denver wasn't one that like it just sort of happened really quickly. Sort of took a little bit of time for that to all kind of settle itself out. And I always wondered if some of that was the way that Payton wanted to attack the Russ situation going into the future. And if that was in maybe a little bit of a different alignment to what the ownership was looking to maybe want to have done. Adigio Hawk says, Brandon Washington not ready for primetime players. Washington not ready for primetime players? <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, Satan says, let's all, let's all just hope he don't land on a team with an elite defense and an elite running game. Only way Russ will ever succeed in the NFL again. I don't, I don't think you're potentially wrong there, man. And that's where you come back to Atlanta. You go to Atlanta, this, they've already got the offensive line in place. They've got the skill position players that would fit to what Russ... Can do, then you just if you're Atlanta going to this off season and say, hey, we're going to build up our defense, continue to build up on it. Where we kind of started even this off season to get it going, we've got some guys to work with on this D. Let's just keep let's let's keep investing into that. You might be able to provide him that kind of soft landing spot. Not for sale. People riding for Russ were never Seahawks fans. 
Yeah, I think it's a thing I ran into that was the, boy, the real contentious point of the conversation. I think you were there for a lot of that not for sale back a couple of years ago is I, I got into my fair share of battles with folks in my chat about Russ uh, because I would try to bring up things that, that were valid, have been proven to be valid in retrospect because it's things that have carried over to the Denver time and his playing there. And it was that you would get the feel from people that there's this sort of, as I call it, sort of sacred cow syndrome where there are, be it our players or coaches that get revered and held up higher than the team itself. And um, my only point always to that is I don't have a problem with people celebrating it that way. But at the end of the day, you know, many of us are fans of the team first more than we are to just a player. We celebrate the players and we revere the players, but it's the team that you're you're driven to. That's what you want to see succeed. That's what you most care about beyond anything else. And there is a pecking order to that, uh, to your point on that, not for sale. Crockerbot says Browns would be the best option for him. Uh, that's probably not an option. Yeah, that'd be the great spot to go to from Russell's perspective of things. Probably if he just got to have his pickings, that might be the one that he would head to. But like you say, the problem with that, that why it's not an option is because the Deshaun Watson contract, every red dollar bill of it is guaranteed. And they just can't, what you have with Denver, they're, while they do have to eat a lot of dead money here of that new Russell contract, not all of it's guaranteed. So there's a pathway to move off of Russell, to cut off of him, to post June 1st, designate him. Cleveland's got to wait at least probably another year, maybe two years before they can even get to the place of really considering that. And so would Russ want to come in and play behind Deshaun and the potential of not even having a chance to get on the field? I don't think he would. Um... Do they have any more money? Do they have even an eight or nine million dollar one year deal to give a Russ um, right now, as it stands with the money that they're paying to Sean? I don't think that they do, but it would be a good, it would be another one of those pretty good fits, especially with the offensive mind they have out there at the head coaching position. Connor, folks, using his winning record against a division rival is a futile attempt at proving his value in his current era. The Jets should just bring back Namath since they won last a Super Bowl with him. Yep, to your point, Connor, we should never use one single stat or one single point of data to go to that this is what should determine our decision-making on anything. Not when we live in a sport in a world where there's so many points of data. Um, you try to incorporate as much as you can into making decisions on that type of stuff, right? BB says, and when Russ got married, he was not focused on winning and it was his brand. I think certainly his brand started to carry more of the day. I, I think there was just ended up too with too many irons in the fire. You know, it doesn't matter what you choose to do in life. It's like you want to go be an Olympic athlete, the baton twirls. You know, there's fierce enough competition in the baton twirling world where you probably got to get your head up off every day out the pillow and be out there twirling away on your baton. Now, I don't, I don't think the quarterback position is anything different. And to think that you can be the greatest in the world, the quarterback position, as you're getting older, as you're rounding out of your prime, as you're also trying to have all of these endeavors that you're going to jump into, which are going to naturally in some way or another pull you away from the football field, pull you away from mastering your craft, to think that that's not going to impact one to the other is, is silly. And it's hard enough to be just that great at one thing, especially this one thing that there is so much heated competition throughout the lands in regards to. And I do think that that's what, part of what has caught and upended Russell Wilson when it comes to hear this, where he's at in his career right now. And why he's not getting a little bit of that extension that we've seen in some other former great quarterbacks is they've gone and headed into their mid-30s. Roland says, Florio says, Vegas Titans, Redskins, Steelers, Vikings, Patriots. Yeah, it all makes sense. I don't see the Titans. 
Titans one doesn't add up to me, but Steelers. Steelers could make sense. 501st says, Sean Payton's had enough of Russ cooking cereal wieners. <laughs> Nate says, Russ can always change his attitude and make it right for Hawks fans and maybe apologize. Yeah, I, I, I'm open to this, Nate. I don't know that all Hawk fans are open to it. There's, there's definitely, I could even feel in the chat terms here, there's a bit of bitterness there a little bit. So I don't know if I, everyone feels this way, but I, for the right, for the right situation in the right order, you know, it's business. It's business. It's not personal. It's business. It's never personal. Never personal. Uh, Randall McDaniel with a $5 donation. I appreciate you for that, Randall. He says, remember that emergency Hawks broadcast, uh, uh, remember that emergency Hawks nest broadcast the day Russell Wilson got traded was an odd day. Never would have predicted, never could have predicted this outcome. Well, thank you for the $5 donation, Randall. And uh, yeah, I do remember us doing the emergency stream. Russell's been traded. Uh, we all were a little bit certainly sideswiped on it because of course Carol had said two weeks prior at the combine that Russell wasn't uh, in trade negotiations. Now you understand why he had to say that because you're not going to broadcast the fact you do the first time you do that, you start to do to, to take away the value in the trade negotiations. So it wasn't, it wasn't like he was lying to us. It's what you, what you do. Uh, but um, I don't, I don't know that we, I would have saw it coming to this outcome this quickly. You would have thought Denver would have with all they invested into the situation given maybe a little more time than less than two years to really decide if it worked or not, you know, and maybe there's a lot more into the background of this of why they're arriving at this conclusion so quickly. Having a new coach brought in certainly impacts it too, but uh, along with new ownership, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely a little bit strange that it's, it's drifted this, this spot this quickly. I could have seen it getting here in a three-year period where they go, okay, it's just not happening, but this quick, not, not this fast. This, this is definitely, whoa, you know, whoa, kind of strange. Thank you, Randall. Uh, Randall with another couple of $2 donations. Thank you for that, Randall, too. Does this Russ staying away from Atlanta? It's where future lives. Oh, ooh, Randall with another little nice tidbit there. Yeah. I think that might, that might impact that a little bit too, right? Randall maybe does not want to be around where is uh, nobody wants baby mom and drama. Nobody wants baby, baby daddy. No, not baby mama. Nobody wants baby daddy drama. Why baby daddy drama? Is that the way to say it right? That's the way to say it right. Nobody wants that. So that, <laughs> that would be kind of hilarious, Randall, if everything lined up for him to go to Atlanta. It's like the perfect spot for what he needs, skill set, everything. They want him there. It's just like, he's like, but future. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Randall with another $2 donation. Thank you for that, Randall. It says, Steelers a fit for Russell Wilson. If Pickett is not the answer. I think that's another team that could definitely line up. Good defense. Build up the offense a little bit more. Offensive line a little more this offseason. Pickens out there on Washington. A couple running backs that are interesting. That's another spot that definitely could be a potential fit there for Russ. You know, a defensive-minded coach in Tomlin that doesn't need to have him be some superhero on the offensive side of the ball. Kind of do just enough. I like the Steelers as a, as a landing spot as well. Yeah, I like that, Randall. 
Thank you, man, for all your donations. I uh, remember the time I would definitely want to be a fly on the wall for Belichick and Russ coach quarterback team up. Yeah, that'd be wild. Are you sure you're going to stop throwing this ball? Why are you throwing this? I don't Why did you see it? Why did you see it, man? I don't understand this. What are you doing? What are you doing? I just uh, saw a deep, so I was going to throw a deep. You don't throw a deep. I told you that in board. What are you doing? I, how many happen times I got to have to tell you? God damn it. Jesus. Just get it done. Jesus. Belichick can be done. <laughs> Belichick can be done quick on that one. The Nuggets says Russ can uh, come home to a loving bosom of Grandpa Pete for a cry, but that's it. You had your chance. Your ego blew it. You had your chance, and you blew it. News and analysis with uh, Arturo. Rolling, oh, sorry. Bijon. Tan May, for me, team success is paramount. If he can actually help us win better than any of our current or future quarterback options at the time, then I'm okay with a return. If not, then obviously no. Simple as that. I love it. It does very, it's a very simple outlook on it, but it's a very, I think, keen one at the same time, Tan May, um, and one that I probably uh, also share. Um, you look at all the options, you put it in consideration. If it makes sense as a bottom line, then it makes sense. But what does that, what does that proverbial outlook look like? What does the deal really look like to make that determination? Dick Docs, Brandon, please don't utter Seahawks on this topic, please. Utter Seahawks on this topic. Uh, Herbicide, Russ loves Jesus. Plays the shit up. <laughs> uh, Terry's Russ constant running around in the pocket is a nightmare for any O-line. He will make any O-line look bad. Not wrong. Bible first, bruh, Russ was setting us up for failure. We don't need him back. I feel like I, got, I hear you guys. I'm just presenting. <laughs> That's it. I, I hear you clear. Uh, Doc Valkyrie, uh, Russell Wilson going to the Seahawks. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Body. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Grass Daniels, please no, but only Johnny could come up with a lease deal so bad that the dealerships would be taking notes. It'd be hilarious. Rolling, you guys are flaming us today. Roland says uh, Eastern uh, Canadian uh, Native Americans were first described that way because they were actually uh, painting their faces red. Uh, 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 news analysis, uh, Russ is a clown. Russ getting blown. Victor Garcia, Russ is used to extending plays, escaping the pocket. He's not a pocket passer. If you look at his highlights, all his plays are outside the pocket. Agreed, Victor. And that's, I think, who he is and what he is. Um, and that's where you can, I think, find some success in it. But then you need to build the offense around that's what you're trying to do. I think in Peyton's case, what he thought of and what he talked about was we're going to get the Russ greatest hits and we're going to pull from that greatest hits things he does well. And then we're going to build that into the playbook that I'm bringing. And the problem there to me is that that's a little bit of the, the fool's errand of this is what you need to do is look at what he does good, what he does well, and then build around that fully. Not try to then take that and force that into something else that that's not going to then work with. And that's, I think, why Peyton's at the place of kind of getting at his wit's end with it is he's saying, well, you're not getting any of my stuff working. You're not, my stuff's not cooking with this. And that's where it's like, no, build it from the ground up around Russ. Herbicide, the hawk's nest you're getting shot at. I, somebody fired about seven shots very close outside my window. So 
Definitely was a, definitely was a, some kind of gun. Oversized of Spokane, dude. I know. Need to go to safer. I thought I'm on the edge of town. It should be a nice safe area out here. Dustin says maybe he'll come back and just retire a hawk. Maybe it could be too. I think he's still going to want to try to play. Tommy says you guys are missing the obvious landing spot for Russ. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Great cup, baby. The Hawks, Russ sent one of his posse to Brandon's neighborhood. Shoot him down. Uh, Acrothor says, bring him back as a starter, but only against the Niners. There we go. He's got their number. Hell, he even beat him last year with the Broncos. He nuggets says, Mr. Unlimited. Unlimited. BB, and looking back on Russ's playoff runs, they were subpar performances. I think he's just had some issues at the end there with the consistency throughout a course of a full game. He could kind of turn it on at the end. Some of the playoff run performances, I'll say to give Russ some credit on that, though, were, for instance, the Cowboys game, where you waited into the fourth quarter to truly take the reins off Russ and let him try to drive that victory home. And then you had the Green Bay game on the road a couple of years ago where you waited through the first half to do that same thing. You determined after halftime you were going to let him go and actually you know, try to take some, take the team someplace there with that one. But the first half you played it very conservatively against Green Bay um, rather than leaning into letting Russ kind of, you know, roll that one at that point. Elwa uh, Gaming says, sounds like just another day in Tacoma at the Hawks Nest. <laughs> I'm out on the east side. We're supposed to be safer out here. We were not supposed to have this kind of stuff happen out here. Joshua says, maybe uh, Daryl Bevel was a genius. Maybe it just might. This might have been. Herbicide might be bad for That sounds good, Herbicide. The power code says, keep him away from here, bro. <laughs> I'm about to announce the results that we'll do the, the poll announce. We got 400 votes in the poll. So we're going to get a pretty clear uh, view of where the 12s are with this one, I think. Bellamon says when Gino wins the Super Bowl, then we can put him in the same convo as Russ. Radu says Gino's better to you because you have something personal about Russ. Gino's way worse statistically, so suck it up. I don't know if that's for me or not. I think you're talking to somebody else in the chat there. Connor says, Russ isn't coming back to the Hawks. I'll always love him and hold a place in my sports heart for him. But wake up my fellow 12s who want him back. Here you, Connor. I think, I think the poll is going to be pretty close to probably, if I'm guessing, I, I see where it is at here. Take a, take a peek at his current, current point. But I, I guess on the surface of this, based on the responses I'm seeing in the chat, that it's probably a 80-20 situation and in uh, how it stands right now. Let's take a look here. So 74% say no, 26% say yes right now. And that's with uh, 412 votes in the book. So I think people are pretty much in that spot, Connor. It's, it's pretty, pretty my, much a minority, I think, that would want back at this point. Um, Kevin says, about to see him on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> 
Kevin says Bronco edition, him and Tim Tebow and Manning. <laughs> hey, you get a lot of wild people watching that show, I bet, though. A lot of watching. Terry Reese says the bridge was more than burnt. It was blown to bits. You might have taken the TNT to it, Terry. You're right. Arkabot says, you think that's it? And he goes, I always wondered because it seemed like he couldn't relate to the team by what former players said about him. Hard to say on, on that, Arkabot. I think Russell's just kind of wired in a unique way that doesn't have him always doing some of the typical things quarterbacks would be doing in relation as leaders, as teammates. And I don't think that just is to make him look like not being a, a good leader, but just that it's, he probably has to do more of the unusual approach to get there than maybe other more traditional guys would in their manner, I guess, to kind of put it that way. The Nuggets says, honestly, I feel bad for Russ overall. He's a clean, good family guy, but his ego and all of that overly positive and fake confidence mindset got in the way. Well said, man. Well said. Tommy Russ has never taken a discount in his life. Personally, I would rather have a clipboard Jesus bag. Seriously, though, it's time to draft a quarterback, and Geno is fine until that quarterback is ready. I think that's probably the approach when it's all said and done here. I think you consider this situation, but that's the best approach when it's all well said and done. And um, I'm fine with that. I like that approach. Chris says, Russ is far better, much better, if the fact the best. If fact the best. Only hand grenades is this Christmas just keeps giving us Hawk fans. <laughs> e. Dixon says, how much money is Russ still guaranteed if the Broncos cut him? Um, I can give you the dead money, Dixon, which is right here over my left shoulder. So I don't know how much this factors in as far as how much he actually gets in pocket at this point going forward. But I, I believe that when you cut him now, it's only those. See, I think that there's certain things that are technically not like bonus, but you know, they're bonus activators in the contracts like year three. Now you get this extra bonus that kicks in or something like that. I, I believe the way it works is that, and that's why I would kind of simplify it down to what's the dead money hit for the Broncos for the next two years. And that's what it establishes is for the next two years, they have to eat $35.4 million next year and then $50 million the year after that because they'll make him a post-June 1st designation, kind of like I'm anticipating with Jamal Adams. You post-June 1st designate him, you take the totality of his dead money hit, you cut it in half, you split it between the two years, and that's what you're on the books for from a team salary standpoint. Terry says Jamal Adams is practicing and ready to play. Should he? I think uh, Coach Carroll wants to get into this playoffs right now. And I think it's probably very important for Coach Carroll to get in the playoffs right now. Uh, and that I don't think that he would be having Adams out there if he didn't think that there was a plus that he could bring to the team. Um, you know, did you risk him getting injured so that, you know, if he can't pass a physical to then try to make a post-June 1st designation, you couldn't do if he couldn't pass a physical? Well, that's dicey. But um, they're going to they're gonna let it rip at this point. You know, I don't know on that one, Terry. You know, sort of sort of a question there is depending on whether or not they are really actually willing to move on Jamal this offseason. I think they will be, but I don't know it for sure. 
And some of that would probably be impacted by that. If they play him, you know, they just got to Terry not put him back there in the cover two looks, you know, get him down around the line of scrimmage. And he can be okay around that area of things, but not back, not far off the ball. Adam says, I give Russ credit for what he has done, but again, he's not in his prime anymore. Nope, indeed not. 501st, Jamal should get the Russ treatment. I think he is. AI says, no way Peter John would want him back. I don't think so either, man. Especially if even half some of the rumors we were hearing in the background are true. Kim Soku says, Russ has been humbled. He's seen what is out there for him. The Hawk system works for him. But we got to see if he'll work for us. If he returns. That'll be a big cart, right? Humble pie, hat in hand. Uh, no talk or tuck discussion of brands. Just football, yeah. Well, I agree. Well said, Kim Soku. Billamon put any backup quarterbacks on the Hawks last year, and they would have also won comeback player of the year. I don't think that would have been the case myself, Billamon. Now with three rookies starting on your offense. Nate, if we get a back, if we go if we get a quarterback, we better tell Damian Lewis and Evan Brown to hit the streets. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think we're going to have it go that way anyway. The Nuggets says, I thought Sean Payton, cool Pete-like guy, but apparently not. So how did Drew Brees put up with that? Uh, no, yeah, Sean Payton is not a Coach Carroll kind of coach. He's definitely more of the, he, he comes from the Bill Parcells mold of things, D-Nugget, you know, which is much more of the fire and brimstone, old school head coaching type. And so um, Drew Brees was a guy that it could execute the offense. Drew Brees was a guy with a coach's mind in the way that he approached the field and how he looked at how to play. And so when it came to Sean Payton saying, I want you to do this and that, and when this happens, do this. And when that and that happened, do this and this and this and this happened, then I want you to do this. Payton could process all of that and implement it live. I don't know that Russ can as much do that in his game. And so Payton loses, as a coach, these guys have egos like players do, you know? And if they think, and if they believe that their scheme is so brilliant to win the day, that it, it's, yeah, I need a good quarterback, but I'm going to put that quarterback in a great position to really flourish, all like a Brock Purdy with Shanahan, that they want to see that quarterback executing their offense as they tell them to do it. And that's not what Russell does. That's He can be an effective quarterback, but it's not going to come at the behest of operating your offense on time or the way that you structure it. And so coaches will lose their, most coaches, especially offensive-minded coaches, then will very quickly at that point um, and, and very predictably lose their patience with that kind of situation and say, okay, I'm done. Moving on. Yeah. E. Dixon, so is it about the $37 million option owed to him if he gets injured in the final two games? Yes, there's, there's, it's not, it's not with the money that's, already, that's been on the books that they're avoiding that they're already having to pay out that money I just showed you, Dixon. There's a, within the first seven days of the end of the season, his base salary becomes fully guaranteed next year. 
if he's on the roster and he can pass a physical. But if he can't, if he's, if, if he's off the roster and can't pass a physical, they're still on the hook for it because there's injury guarantees into it. But if, his, if he passes the physical and they can have him off the roster, then they're not on, a, on the hook for the new extra money. Card craze, the Hawks nest. Does Denver just eat the whole thing and release Wilson in mid-March? Yes. Because card crazed that it's like five days after the end of the, the NFL season, five days after the Super Bowl, the Broncos would be due to have to guarantee the base salary of Russell Wilson for next year. That that guarantees and so it, it signs them up essentially for more money. And so they can get out from under that because when they release him out, of course. They release him out inside that five-day period. You're now off the books for his base salary completely. Any of the base salary on the contract, you're done. You're only on the hook for the, the guarantees, the bonuses, that kind of thing. So that's why, it's, that's why Denver's doing this, is that they, they have the 1% chance. It's literally a 1.6% chance of making the playoffs right now. You're not making the playoffs. You're now only risking that potential of putting yourself on the hook for more money there with Russ by letting him play. You know, says that's on dummy Walmart's owners. Why are you paying Russ uh, before he even played one game for you? Because that was part of the negotiations to bring Russ in, right? Russ had the no trade clause with Seattle. Seattle could not just move Russ to wherever they wanted to move him, denugget. So remember, for instance, Russ turned down the trade to the Philadelphia Eagles. Did Russ turn down the trade to the Philadelphia Eagles because Russ's camp found out from the Eagles and a very smart general manager in Roseman that he was not going to pay him in advance? that he was not going to pay him walking in the door, that he was going to want to see Russ play through one year before he determined how much he was going to pay him at that point versus a Broncos team that indicated, well, hey, if the Eagles won't do it, we'll do it. We're desperate. We wanted Rodgers. We missed out on Rodgers. We'll do it. We'll do it. And that's what I think happened. Walmart's got their money to spend. It was no big deal to them to cut the check. And if that's what it took to get the final deal done for their perspective, then that's what it took to get the deal done. But that's why... That's, that's, I think, I'm making a guess here, Dina, but I think that that's what drove those negotiations there a bit at the end on that. Jordan says they shouldn't be able to get out of that money because they benched him. It's the game, uh, it's the game team's play. And I was showing this little uh, header at the start of my stream here today, um, Jordan, where you were here with me on this, but you can see with this, we've seen the Raiders do this with Derek Carr. The Colts did this with Matt Ryan. And the Raiders are uh, doing this currently with Jimmy Garoppolo. And that is that you'll just bench the guy because you don't want him getting injured. In the Raiders' case, I can't blame him with that. Garoppolo's a walking, a walking infirmary unit. AI says, I hope Stitham goes out and throws three picks. The youngsters don't understand the donkey hate it from the old AFC West days. Hate the donkeys. I get it, man. I get it. 
Uh, Paul B says, I like your channel. Title is uh, silly. Um, and I, I understand that for some of me, if you like clickbait with this, Paul, a little bit. Um, if you can understand this for folks that may be going, well, there's no chance of this happening. Well, there's no chance that Russell could come back. It may very well be silly. I, I, I didn't post, did not think, and there isn't any p potential chance at all of happening. But just the thing to understand with this on, and this is just kind of something that's uniquely to my perspective in running a channel. I do three or four shows a week. And so I'll often, Paul, I'll get an asked a question as you've probably followed in the channel. I'll get asked a question one time and it'll get asked 79 times over the course of a two month span. And so what I find is that if I have a question I can anticipate that I'm going to be asked over and over again, that I can do a show around that question or do a video around that question then I can avoid having to then repeat myself 79 times over a two month stretch. And so as much as this may seem like from some people's perspective on this, something that has no potential aspect of happening and it's not in line of happening, you've got to understand at least in running this channel and having the interactions and the many interactions I do on a weekly basis, that it's going to be something that's going to be brought up a lot. And now instead of me having to answer and keep repeating myself over and over again, I'll just be able to go, Here's the video right here. You can watch the full four, three, four, whatever, how long we go tonight, uh, you know, elaborate answers on what and why and all of the things that go into the, the thought process of bringing in or not bringing them in. So some of that's just the nature of this beast a little bit. I'm not trying to create clickbaits. It's just that this is, people are going to ask me about this. And if you guys don't believe me, believe me on this, even after I've created this video today, come back to the show because you're going to probably see it asked about once every show, even after this. Um, as we go through for the next couple of months, as we go into this off season, um, it's just, uh, it's one of those things I try to, I try to avoid that if I can. So I'm trying to do that a little bit with this and it's, it's right now something that's uh, being discussed. But thank you. I appreciate you, Paul. Jordan says, Russ not getting an MVP vote his entire career is actually ridiculous. And I think any Seahawks fan can agree with that. I do. Yeah, I do. He should have had an MVP vote, MVP vote by this point. Paul says, he says, Russ, no draft picks, minimum contract. Big Russ fan. <laughs> SW Lions, Seahawks most definitely fleeced the Broncos with the Russell Wilson trade. Yeah, we did. Yeah, hell yeah, and yeah, Paul's right. Jets did fleece the Haw Jets did fleece the Hawks with Adams. I don't call it a wash though, Paul. We got way more assets back from the Broncos than we had to give up from Adams. Radix is maybe Pittsburgh would be good for us. That'd be an interesting for sure. Yeah, I could see that being a fit. Jack Maloney could see Russ in Vegas. He loves the stage. I see Vegas is one that makes a lot of sense to me. They've had these kind of quarterbacks come through there going back to like the seventies with Stabler and whatnot. I mean, you can, you know, they got a track record of bringing guys in that, you know, come in a little bit at the end there. And uh, then you got his wife, Sierra, she could do it like, you know, they got those little Vegas, I don't know, they don't call them tours, right? They're, they got a specific term for them. I forget the word is, but you go in there, maybe do that. Stephen Penner at the Hawks Nest. Russ was very special in Seattle. He helped us claim two NFC championships, one Super Bowl, and almost a second. 
His era is over here. Once again, love the channel. Appreciate your thoughts on this, Stephen. I totally do. And again, I, I understand it's people, there are a lot of people fed up and be like, oh, I just, this is something I got to cover because this is something that I'm going to be asked by a lot. And that and there are many of us that are old school fans and have been following the Hawks long before Russell came here. But you got to understand too, there's a lot of fans that came into their fandom and understanding the Hawks and understanding I'm in Seattle and I've got this team that's a football team here that I love that I have this magical quarterback and that that's where their fandom began. And so Russell for them is the equivalent to like a guy that was Steve Largent for me growing up um, where, you know, he's held in a certain high special order and these guys and folks have a little bit of an outlook on him that's a bit different on that. That's why I do have to cover this on this a little bit, I think. And it's, it's one that, you know, the second this went down, I started getting blown up on my DMs and people that's usually a very indi good indicator that this is a subject that's going to need to be discussed. And that's why I wanted to go live today with this at that point. As also evidenced by the fact we have had so many people in here today too. Kevin says, I remember when we were playing the 49ers and we lost the red zone when Marshawn came back and that night Russell dropped a new clothing line on his Instagram, not even three hours later. That's when I knew. Yeah, it's not a great, great timing on that one, right, Kevin? That's for sure. I'll wait till half season on that. Bido Smoka says, I say I beg hell no to bringing Russ back. And that's where basically most are going to be at on this one. Tommy says Russ has taken fourth most sacks in the league, near league leader again. Sacks are drive killers. Yards are not everything. They definitely hurt when you're going to lead the league on those. That's a lot of negative yards to take to have to overcome. Lyon says, I wonder if the spat Peyton had on the sideline in Detroit may have exacerbated the S situation. It might have, Lyon. I, I, I feel like a little bit in retrospect, that was a bit for the... I don't know, maybe I'm just uh, skewed on this, but it felt a little theatrical in the moment in retrospect, understanding they were thinking about making this decision. A Jag Sports Talk with Jose Rodriguez. What's up, man? Says, whatever happened to Shelby Harris? Uh, Shelby Harris is uh, currently with the Browns this year, Jose, and he's having a good year with them. Signed a one-year deal for a couple million dollars. Not a big deal, but uh, he's been a very useful player for that Browns defense. Connor says, nice Copland reference. You had your chance and you blew it. I love that line. Interesting to uh, hear Stallone talk about that scene too, because he was saying that I, it's not even, wasn't even a De Niro scripted one. He was, you know, he was pecking on De Niro in the scene, elongating it a little bit and De Niro just shut him down. But great, <laughs> great line. Nimmons, bring him back. Let him ball out. Then trade him back to Denver for four more, four more picks and three players. <laughs> Watch, rinse, repeat. Swedish Shinobi, could you imagine Russ as his stepdad? That would be the wildest, cringiest TikTok S ever. And I kind of want to see it. Well, it's the, the reality show's coming soon. Russell signs with Vegas. And we are the Wilsons. Vegas style. Sierra, Russell, future. Uh, Tommy says, yeah, uh, Watson's 100% guaranteed contract. Russ' contract is damn near that. It's kind of, especially if he gets injured. 
Tommy Baker's having a way better year than Russ, though, and way cheaper. He is. Yeah. Who would have thought Baker keeps his starting job in Tampa longer than Russ in Denver? Crazy. Scooby, why would they do that? Ryan Baker has been... Oh, sorry. Uh, Terry, this is where the problem is as well. No passing to the center of the field, always to the sidelines of perimeter. Indeed. Indeed. That was a place where I think both Russ and Carroll really well aligned, where that, that was something that Carroll really liked, but with other teams, they're like, no, we need to use the middle of the field. Jared Edwards, no shot we bring back Russ. Honestly, feel bad for him because the Broncos did this to themselves, and now they're trying to get out of paying him. Yeah, it's kind of like, to me, um, a BS move on their part to go ask him to take a discount or to, to, to make their way out of the contract easier, you know, after two years. Like, if you're going to make the call, make the call. Don't do it. Don't do the, it's kind of a, it's a weak move. It's weak sauce to go to the player at that point two years and go like, take a discount. You want to take a discount or we're going to sit you for two games. Like, oh, really? You're going to, you're going to basically blackmail me into giving you money back. That's ah, a bad look for a franchise. Garrett says, I'd be pissed if I was being benched or forced to change the contract Denver offered me. Yeah, I'd, I'd say go after yourself too. Pay me. Pay me what you owe me. Nick says, what the F? People die in the streets around you? I don't know. Let me fired about six shots. And it was not in a like, bang, bang, bang. It was like, bang, bang, bang. 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 Hey, maybe there's somebody's out there taking a gun out for a driver's. I don't know. I was about to start ducking and diving. I'll tell you that. Lions says, I don't see the Vikings being interested in Wilson. They'd be better off bringing back Kirk Cousins. It'd be a cost thing. I, I don't think it'd be a likely place. They would be one of the weaker teams for me to see him go into line. It'd be just because I think that Russ would take the, the cheaper deal and then also the exorbitant cost that Kirk would cost indifference to Russ. I mean, Kirk's going to be able to go out there this offseason and kind of ask for whatever he wants. And somebody's probably going to pay it. Russ is going to have to take a real low-end, low-end deal, prove-it kind of deal, I think. And that, I think that does change a little bit, potentially, the Vikings' outlook on that line. Kirk, if Kirk's won 55 mil a year, go Compton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> guys give me a hard time about living in Spokane. Okay. I get, yes, go Compton. You're all right. I gunfire outside. Make the jokes. Everyone's got jokes. Give you laugh when I'm in mid-discussion and suddenly you see... You see me doing a JFK back into the left, back into the left. But laughing so hard then with your jokes, your Spokane jokes. Grass Daniels is uh, just here to further celebrate the fact that we robbed the Broncos at point blank broad daylight and still all their happiness. <laughs> yes, we did. All their happiness and their hope, Grass. Not just their happiness, but the hope with it. As I don't know if there's a lot left with that at this point. They've got a couple years of darkness here. They got to cue the uh, 
What's that? What's that sound? Hello, darkness, my old friend. Dun, dun, dun. Good to see you again. Slow motion of Sean Payton's face looking sad, you know. Numan says, what if this is all a ploy? What if he's been poorly, what if he's played poorly to tank Denver and has been an undercover Seahawk the whole time? That's what I was thinking. We were talking about that Numan's earlier. Comes back home now and he's like, I've returned. Pulls the mask off his face, Mission Impossible style. Back to being a good quarterback. Brad says Seahawks doing good. Yeah, they are. Even more Seahawks. Russ should just go back to driving commercials and not because he's the worst driver. And not driving because he's the worst driver. They have some troubles with the golf carts. Those can give him some issues. Salt, how you doing? Salith, Saying, how you doing? Dude, Bob, I don't want to see us make the playoffs just to get destroyed in the first round. Rather, get a better place in the draft. I'm, I, I always like having it too. If you got a chance to meet Dude, Bob, you got to swing, got to give it that shot, got to try if you got the spot, you know? Um, but I get it. I get it. Uh, Randall McDaniel, thank you for the $2 donation. Sorry, a little late on this. Acknowledge me on this one. Didn't see it over there. It says, uh, big question. In all this, what does it mean for Jake Heaps? Jake's going to Atlanta or Vegas or coming back on bended knee to 710 and begging for his job back. And please, no one wants me as a quarterback guru anymore. They keep saying, what have you done for Russ? What have you done? You broke him. <laughs> Thank you, Randall. <laughs> Uh, feed, me more, feed me more Seahawks with a $2 don't know. Thank you for that as well. I don't like it, but I think Waldron is the scapegoat. Yeah, I, I, I still really do have a little bit of a belief as well that Waldron's not being allowed to run his scheme fully unfettered from the way that he would like to ideally be able to run it. For how you would allow most offensive coordinators to be able to run their scheme if they were in a similar situation. And it's just when I come back to myself, feed me looking at the offense and it having so many more similarities to those offensive to 2017 and 18 and 19, um, that it just me, it just has me thinking back to a little bit of maybe Carol's putting a bit of the clamps down on the Waldron offense and not allowing it to function fully in the way that it could. But uh, we'll see if he ends up as a scapegoat this off season. I don't think he's going to get fired. But uh, we'll see what happens this offseason. I do think you're right. I think he definitely gets a lot of probably the heat, which isn't necessarily always his. It's hard to say on that because we just don't know what is playing out in the background on that situation. Uh, Daniel uh, W., thank you for the $5 dono. Says, Broncos need a quarterback. We have a good backup who just led a game-winning drive. Send them lock for two firsts, two seconds, and two of their good players. <laughs> Sounds good, Daniel. If it worked once, I can just go, no, no, we realized Drew's not the problem. We, we figured it out. Just, we got it up. Yeah, we understood now. We got it now. Just bring him back over here. Just over here. But uh, yeah, Drew, Drew will be a free agent this off season. We'll see if Denver comes calling. That would be pretty ironic. Peyton was like, well, I'm here now. I like Drew. So bring him back over here. You never know. Weird things happen in the NFL, Daniel. <laughs> I see what you did there though. Uh, Snail, thank you for the $2 donation. Marcus Trufant, come back. It would be better than a Russell Wilson comeback. Oh, 
Found a, worry, found a way to work in the WSU love in tonight, Snail. I dig that about you, man. You found the creative way to work that back in around. Uh, that, was, that was inventive. That was inventive. Hey, Snail, if Witherspoon can't come back off that hip boner, we might need a slot for the playoffs. You know what I mean? True can give us like 10 snaps a game. He can give us 10 snaps a game in the slot right now, Snail, right? He's only got to be like 40. I bet he's still got some short area quickness. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah, Sports Talk with Jose says Russ will lose his goodies very soon. That's a Sierra reference. Uh, lock it in. Russ didn't get the Seahawks there either. So, oh, sorry. You're reading. Uh, uh, uh. Dan May says factors re- determining the return. Roster. Coaching staff and scheme fit, team chemistry, cap and contract, available quarterback options, state of the team at the time, ready to win or not, relative to the rest of the league. Yeah, there is a lot that goes into it. I think those are all fair factors to bring into it. I can't see there being much more than what you put in there as well. Um, but it makes it a very complicated decision to bring him back that Tan May if you did. You know, there is a there is a pathway to this happening. As I say, it's a very narrow path because of all of these factors were you know, normally tan man's well, is this guy a good quarterback? You know, or you just, it sometimes it's just as simple as just that question. First, this one, I think you're right. Smarter for the team to bring in more into account here than just that basis. Cameron says, Wilson really ruined his legacy when he tried to go for an MVP over anything else. Ego, hubris. That, that can be the thing that definitely is the downfall of many. And uh, certainly when it comes to this sport, it's a team sport. I think that Wilson got kind of wrapped up a little bit in the era of what I've called the diva age of quarterbacks. And that is that these quarterbacks kind of decided in this era, a good subset of them, that they're sort of uh, bigger than everything else. You know, they're bigger than the team around them, that they, they are the star at hand. And I, I don't think that that was for the betterment of the league. And I think it's helped teams out that, that, Guys operate with kind of that manner and that outlook of things, but it does look like it's a short area, uh, the short uh, era, I should say, uh, as it doesn't seem like this next generation necessarily is in that same mode. Cameron Robinson, I love Jaden Daniels. I do believe he's going to be a first-round pick. If the Hawks were to take him, I think he'd be a very good fit. I love his mobility that he brings, and he's got a good, strong arm. He really improved this year as a player from last year. Took Taking some big steps forward with arm strength, accuracy, decision-making. Uh, I love his upside. Fun player. Uh, Julius, uh, Julius Bass says, you don't have any Russell stuff on your wall, so you're a Russ hater. Um, well, it's an ever-expanding ever wall. Um, and uh, no, I'm definitely not a Russ hater. I, I wouldn't say. I, if you feel that way, fair enough, Julius. Absolutely fair enough, but uh, no, I don't feel like I'm a, a hater of Wilson. I feel like I was a hater of Wilson. I'd definitely be a lot more vitriolic, but you're definitely uh, welcome to your opinion on that. I don't begrudge. Dom H says there could there would be a lot of things lined up for Russ to come back. 
I just don't see it happening. It's a fair way of putting it. Fair way. Deal, I'll take Russ at 25 million for a year and a rookie quarterback in the draft. Oh, there we go. Got a few pro Russ folks in here. It's good to see a little balance. Scooby, uh, no, Russ will not be back here on a one-day con. No, Russ will not be back here on a one-day contract to retire. Yes, other than that, I don't see it. Just doesn't make any sense. Fair enough. Fair enough. Seahawks game, I think Sean Payton could run an offense better with Taysom Hill at quarterback rather than Russ. Well, maybe so. Scooby says, but Jesus eating 85 million sucks for Denver. It hurts. That's that's a that's a two-year implement to your roster that's not something that I think you just get over. That that becomes we're just gonna have to suck for two years. I, I could see no other way if I was a Denver the Denver GM. Tyler Kemp, uh, can we trade Jamal Adams to Denver in exchange for Russ and a lifetime supply of Bronco burgers? <laughs> that's a lose-lose regarding the players, uh, with the sweetener being some excellent Bronco burners. <laughs> Well, you had me at burgers. You got me to say I wasn't on board with your trade, Tyler. But when you brought when you're bringing in the burgers, yes, yes. Scooby says I think the best way for us our quarterback situation would be to draft a quarterback this year, then put him under Geno for one or two years, then drop Geno, sign Luck uh, to back up Lock, sign Luck to back up the drafted quarterback after two years. That works for me, Scooby. No, it's Lock. Okay, sign Lock. I don't know, Scooby. Locke might be moving on this year to a place he might get a chance somewhere this offseason to start. You never know there. But I like your situation. I'm with, I'm with your approach on it, for sure. Scorpio says, Russell Wilson has moose knuckles for knees. He's five foot ten. How did he become a quarterback? He's, uh, he had some one-time excellent mobility. I mean, he was a four or five guy coming out. I mean, he had, you know, it wasn't maybe in the twitchy four, four-ish range where it's just Vic-like stop and start, but just the next rung down from that was where he was at. And then he had a big arm and he was a type of player that the NFL had never seen before uh, outside of Fran Tarkenton. And that had been, that was 30 years ago from when he arrived, 40 years ago from when he arrived. That shows you how unique he was. And when you're a unique player in the NFL, Sometimes that as much as a special skill set can be something that allows you to go out there and be very, very productive because you're just so much more different than everybody else. You skew in such a, a, a strange fashion really for the good as much as anything else. There's some bad to it too, but some of it for the good for anything else. And that kind of gave him that uh, spot, that way to get it done. Jeffrey Johnson, target mass is how you become a quarterback. You hit the damn target over and over again. That's what quarterbacks do. Amen. Crockbutt, I really hope this after this season, the Seahawks don't try and put essentially the same team out next year. I think there'll be some changes. I think that they, they're going to be a little inhibited by how many changes they can make Crockbot on uh, their cap situation as it stands right now. But I expect that there, there's going to be some pretty heavy movement. Always is there through an off season. Roland says, I, can't I just checked back in. I can't believe we're still talking about this. Goodbye, Mr. Wilson. You're not a team player. Terry Reese says, very competent and engaged podcast. Likes and subscriptions coming. Well, thank you, Terry. I appreciate you watching so much and uh, very kind of you to, to say on that. We've had a great year here. Mick Furrer, I hope you had a happy holidays, Brandon. I did. I hope you did as well, Mick. 
Merry Christmas. I see Russell going to a team like the Commanders. I do think he should go to a team like the Falcons where they have a strong run game. Falcons team seem like the pervert. I think that's the consensus best spot for him to go based on what I've seen from the chat today. And I'd agree with it, Mick. It just feels like the good spot, the good landing zone. Someone did mention his, his uh, wife's baby's father lives in, uh, in Atlanta. I don't know if that'd be a, a, an impediment or not. You would think it might be, but it's hard to say on that. Seahawks Gaming, the people that think Brock Purdy is an MVP haven't seen prime Russ highlights, best deep ball thrower in NFL history. Certainly has got to be in the discussion there at the very least, Seahawks Gaming. Scorpio says, how much money will Wilson lose when he puts that $14 million house up for sale? Probably, a, it's probably dropped some with where the market's at right now. Probably losing a couple mil off that. Probably just holds on to it though and then waits for the market to rebound. Joe Strew says, Russ needs the right system and the right coaching. I think he would have a bounce back career to at least some degree with Carroll, but I think Russ has become more about himself over the years. No, thank you. Well, well, summated on your part, Joe. I love what you just said there, man. And I'm pretty much in, I think, direct alignment where you're at. I think Coach Carroll understands Russ as uh, better than anybody else out there and what he could or could not get out of him or what Russ can or cannot do or how the best, the best mode to get Russ in. But uh, with that said, uh, like you said, I think the, the inhibiting factor here has maybe become a little bit of the ideology of Russ through the years. Uh Sorry, Daniel, too, on the uh, slow on the Super Chats, man. My bad. I'm being a little bit slow there on that. I did catch it, though. Just a little bit late on that. Uh, Snail, thank you for the $5 donation. Waldron just isn't McVay. He's the play caller and can't find a rhythm. Pete doesn't call the plays. Um, well, I thank you for the $5 donation. I, I guess allow me to make my case a little bit more further on this one, Snail. You go and get Waldron to run Sean McVay's offense. And without getting in snail into the deep, deep weeds of Sean McVay's offense and all the stylings of the offense, the base tenet of the offense is this. We may come out in four different formational groupings throughout the course of a game, but we're going to run every kind of iteration out of that same formation, out of the same personnel package. You may see 11 personnel, 75% over the course of this game. But you're going to see us running every little thing so you have no way to really know what post-snap we're going to do. You have to play it straight up and evenly. You've brought over the offense here, and that's not what this offense does. Instead, it's a throw it up against the wall and see what sticks offense. It, it's an endless array of different formations. It's no play sequencing, something that Brock Heward was talking about a couple weeks ago on radio. They don't sequence plays together. They don't set things up. That's, again, another thing that's a testament of, of McVeigh. He comes out with a scheme and he, you get 11 personnel and you know they're going to run this. They'll, they'll run an outside zone run here on this play. Then they'll come back to pass, come back to another outside zone run. Then they'll come back to the third play where they're play actioning out of that outside zone, which is out of the same formation. And instead of having the run, receivers run short, now they'll run a nine route up over the top. You know That's not what this offense does. And I, I, I don't say this succinctly, it's just my opinion on this. This has been one of the things that I've gone and reached out to a lot of people in the background, Snail, 
and asking a lot of people that are outside of my opinion that I trust very much on football matters and saying, are, I'm seeing this a little bit like this. How are you seeing this? And a lot of people just ask him, how are you seeing it? This guy came from this. What are you seeing? Conversely, on the other side of this, not taking advantage of those things that the Rams offense takes advantage of or the way the Rams offense is run. The other part is, is that when you look at the way that the tenants of this offense are run, the high, high prevalence snail of the A and B gap runs, hammering the A and B gap runs, the lack of utilization of outside zone runs, the lack of utilization of fly, fly sweeps. That doesn't make any sense. And that's what we used to do for years here with Russ. We didn't like to run it on the outside. We never ran the fly sweeps. We also have a heavy amount of throwing to these nine routes. We've had some games we've run it seven, eight, nine times. We've tried to throw a nine route over the course of the game. You have the Rams at times will go whole couples of games without running nine routes. But we did run a lot of nine routes in 17, 18, and 19. So where I try to back up what I say with this snail is to say the offense looks nothing like the Rams offense and how it's structured. And then the offense also right now looks very closely structurally aligned to what we ran back in 16, 17, and 18. So is that by happenstance? Is that just by luck? We also have further evidence to back this up, Snail, being that we understand that when Schottenheimer walked in the door, he had to inherit 70% of the playbook when he walked in the door. He didn't bring his whole playbook in. He inherited his playbook. And so then in inheriting his playbook, that ind indicates that Carroll is indeed willing to go to an offensive coordinator and say to him, here's what you are going to do. Not that like some coaches would have an offensive coordinator come in and say, run your offense. So there's, there's proof of this in what I'm saying. I got things that can back this up in alignment to what we're seeing. And if it's not then, if it's not a matter of it's Carroll putting his fingers into this particular pie, then what is the explanation for it? I, finding the rhythm is, is kind of a generalized, and when you mention it, it's kind of a generalized thing that doesn't actually, what does that mean as far as actual things I can apply to the field that I can see and what you're meaning to that? You know, like, in, in, in not finding a rhythm, just that he's not a step ahead of the defensive coordinator. He's just a bad offensive play caller. Then was Bevel a bad offensive play caller? Was Schottenheimer also a bad offensive play caller? Was none of their failures brought about by the fact that Carroll was impinging their job? Was none of it, like for instance, when we know about Schottenheimer, he wasn't fired. He didn't pure, quote unquote, purely quit. They had a mutual agreeing of separation of ways. I, I think there's some proof to this, Snail. I think I got some backing to this and this belief of it. And I'm, I'm okay with being proven wrong on the other side of it, but I'm not basing it on nothing. You know, this outlook in, in the way that the offense is put together. And um, it, it, there's a lot in alignment to this that Coach Carroll puts this in a certain way. Maybe it comes down, Snail, even this last week, there's even more like evidence of it where you have Mike Salk ask Coach Carroll a question on the radio saying, hey, uh, you know, the telecast last week said that you guys, run, you guys throw more outside the numbers than any team in the NFL, which was also a common tenant when you had Russell Wilson here for that 10-year period. You don't throw in between the numbers. You refuse to do it. Don't throw short. Don't throw in between the numbers. We thought for years it was because Russell Wilson was small. It's not that. You still don't do it with Geno Smith. You still don't do it with Drew Locke. Salk asked him, why don't you do it? Carroll wouldn't answer him. Refused to answer him. So again, Rams offense, Utilizes the short, intermediate, middle of the field. Seahawks offense, like it did in 16, 17, 18, 19, doesn't do, utilize any of that. Yet you have a coach who comes from that doing that. What, how did he forget all of this stuff? It doesn't make any, it's like an oxen's razor. What's more logical? 
Waldron came from the Rams and forgot everything that helped him to get this job in the first place, or he's got somebody who's guiding and directing him at least partially, and that's creating a bit of a weird mix or the throwing spaghetti up at the wall situation that we're seeing kind of on a weekly basis at times and not giving you a congruent offense that seems to have an identity or even a real certain approach they're trying to take on a weekly basis. Uh, thank you though for the fiver, man. I appreciate you on that. Um, Adrian X, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, why don't y'all 12s want to see Gino versus Russell Wilson competition? <laughs> uh, thank you for the $2 dono. I think it's an either or myself on that. I, I don't think you can afford to go with both. Uh, and it'd be, that'd be wild. That'd be a wild comp. comp. And I think Gino would take him because you'd still be running the Waldron offense between the two of them if they're Waldron's here on that. Uh, Dan may say, Brandon, please remind me what the Hawks offense did in the back half of 2015 season that made Russ so successful for them. If my memory serves me right, they went heavy on the short, quick passing game. But what else was there? Uh, was that uh, just a blip? Did the teams catch on to it and adjust going forward? Because it seems like we never went back to it. Uh, could something like that be replicated today? Uh, 15 is quite a bit of years back to me on that kind of specific of a detail, Tan May, to be honest with you. I, I can't quite remember in 15, um, what the situation was there on, if we went to the short passing, um, I can't for the life of me, remember Wilson having a year where he really had the short passing attack working. But that was certainly one of his better years with 4,000 yards passing on it. Um, so I'm sorry. I'm just not sure. I can't remember on that, to be honest. You were up at 68%, to your point. That was his highest completion percentage of his career. What's interesting about that as well, though, in that season was that he was also, he had an 8.3 yard per attempt throwing. That was the highest of his career as well. So his average attempt wasn't diminished by the, by the accuracy, at least on the surface of it. But I'm sorry, I can't quite remember on that. Wilbert, salute to you too. <laughs> Not a JFK. Uh, Robbie Calhoun says, McIntosh must have really pissed off the coaches to get zero playing time. Your thoughts? I, I guess he's just not very good, is my thoughts on it, Robbie. DJ Dallas has not really set much of a benchmark here that makes me understand why you wouldn't want to go to McIntosh instead. Um, so I, I, I really don't understand it myself. But sometimes this team got certain guys that they just kind of really gravitate towards, even if the fans aren't really in that same way with them. And Dallas seems to be that guy that's kind of caught a little bit of the glint of Carroll's eye in that respect where he's going to get that time out there to play. But I sure would like to see him get some snaps instead of McIntosh out there, especially on special teams. Tommy says, we are ranked top five on first and second down. And since week 10, we are top 11 on third down. We are ranked 32nd on third down before uh, that when O-line was hurt. I think Waldron stays. Like it. Amazing Mario Brothers. Russ is going to the commanders. He is... From that area, 
And that organization is notorious for making dumb decisions. I could make some sense on that, on that surface of it. There are those rumors, amazing Mario Brothers, that Belichick's going to go out there, there, commanders, that that's the landing spot for him. And boy, does that seem like a weird fit between those two. Nick says, why would you bring the biggest failure in the NFL back? Good point. Mick says, it looks like the Broncos are probably going to draft a quarterback really in the draft because I don't see them rolling out with Stidham in the future. Agreed, Mick. And this will be a good draft for them to, to, I think, target a guy, especially second, third round area. I don't think they, did they have their third round pick? Yeah, they got the third round pick. I think. So, yeah, I agree. Robert says, Robert Craig says, Russ was always propped up by the LOB in hindsight and he was a bad teammate by all accounts. He screwed up his own legacy by having a big head and having no social skills. I certainly get that approach on it. I certainly think Russ did have a lot of years there after the LOB in the 15, 16, 17 range, 18, where he did play really great football and at times had to kind of carry us along for not as good a team around him. But I also think too, a little bit with the LOB, it was a, a you know, it was the LB, it was Marshawn, it was Russ in there. Terry says, uh, I was just going to mention he's the Fran Tarkin de Nervera. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Gibson says, move off Adams and pray we change the defensive scheme. I do think we need to get stronger in the trenches. I'm with the Gibson. I'm completely with that. Alexander says, Russell's game is uh, throw deep and run around in the backfield. It's puzzling why some here still want that. As I said, I think some people did kind of come into their fandom at times with this team, right? As Russell Wilson was coming to play and it does set in people's mind for a special way like that. I can understand that. I certainly had that view of Largent in that way. Tommy says, I can see Pete arguing the $60 million man on Russ. We can rebuild him. We have the technology. John, face palm. <laughs> Snap out of it says, Russ can't throw over the middle and he's getting too old. Side note, hashtag diva. Cameron Robinson, I do appreciate Russell Wilson's tenure with us, but he seriously, y'all, he lied straight up at the end. He chose his path. Now we choose ours. Totally fair. Completely fair. Michael Arrington, Michael Arrington says, you guys were right about Russ. Y'all exaggerated, but y'all was right. <laughs> Laughing out loud. <laughs> we tried to warn you. Dan Johnson, I don't want Russ back, but would rather look for a potential successor to Geno in the draft. Fair points, Dan. And I do think that they're going to draft a quarterback this year. Geno, Russ or not, Geno or not, I think that a quarterback's coming this year in the draft for sure. Tommy Eaton says, to agree with the Hawks' nest, when McVay ran 11 personnel, he did so 80% of the time. When he switched to 12 personnel, he did so 80% of the time. He also works the middle of the field. There's it. I just, I look for that proof of what part of this is the Rams' offense. And there's very, very little of it that I can pull from it that's part of the Rams' offense, but there's very much of it I can pull from it that's part of the Coach Carroll offenses, as I would term it, of the, of the teams. Mix says, Brandon, why does it sound like Pete is still committed to putting Jamal Adams on the field? The safeties have been playing good the past two games, and I think we might sabotage ourselves. 
I would imagine that he's going to be in a highly, highly specialized role, Nick, if he's coming out there. You're not going to see him run anywhere near 70, 80% of the snaps if he gets out on the football field. Coach Carroll is a as a player's friendly coach for a reason. And then it comes down to a couple different things, not just merely the environment he fosters, but because he will be pro player friendly. I can't say the word, but pro player friendly. And that means that in a case like this, if Adam says, I'm good to go, I've had a couple of weeks, I feel better. Give me my chance. Give me my chance. I've been working so hard to get back. I've been a good soldier for you. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. The coach Carroll will be like, okay, I'm going to turn you loose a little bit with that. I'll keep you a fitted, you know, to where I, I don't just let you run wild out there. You're not back in, you're not going to be back here in too high looks, but that's a little bit, I think of what you get with coach Carroll as a coach and both it's both good and the bad. Um, and that he supports these players and that's sometimes how he gets the best out of them and gets them to play at their best is, is having the support in, in, in them. But, uh, I can get some of your trepidation and not wanting to see him out there, you know, especially if he were to get injured. BP says NB to your point. Look at uh, Dave Canales in Tampa Bay. Yeah. He's doing a great job out there with, with Baker. Absolutely doing a great job and very well, maybe starting to get himself moving with that, that kind of work he's done. It's like Gino and then Baker. His star's definitely on the rise, BP. Alexander says Pete only answer, answers happy questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh masterful says is russ lost his hall of fame i think it's gonna be a tough road for him to get this back at this point masterful i think there's work to be done to get himself into the hall of fame as a quarterback at this point especially with how things have kind of ended and uh unfortunately the way things are going to end here a little bit if it goes this direction and continues this path is what's going to be at the most recent recency bias in people's mind so yeah. Scooby Snacks up, man. Hope you had a great Christmas with the family. You too, Scooby. Thank you, brother. You're having a good one. Pearl Haggard. Russ couldn't touch Gino in a Christmas contest, and there's no way the players would pick Russell Wilson over Gino. He's just not a team player. Well said, Pearl. Well said. That's a, another part to consider with this is that locker room and how there was received. How was he at the end? How, how that goes? Snail, so, so is uh, Snail says, so is Pete Carroll telling Waldron to never test a defense a second time when a certain play or concept works in a game? I don't know. I mean, I, it, I mean, a, this is all a guessing game for sure, Snail, because of course, some of this is just, we, the, we don't have reporters asking these kind of questions of Waldron, for instance, or of Coach Carroll or anybody doing any kind of digging. And it becomes a bit of a guesswork game. You know, what I, what I know is I have a head coach who's not a hands-off coach when it comes to his coordinators. What I know is I have an offense that looks much like our defense, Snail, right? This all, this all kind of concurrently goes, Snail, if you look at defensively the same thing. Why is it you go through all the defensive coordinators, but the defense ends up really at the bottom line looking the same way, right? Why do you go through so many different guys and you, you, it seems that the same result as what you get is what they look like on the football field? Why? Shouldn't it be a, shouldn't be, there be a variance of different results with the different defensive coordinators coming through? This guy did it that way and failed this way. This guy did it that way and failed this way. This guy does it this way. And now he's failing that way. But instead you fail the same ways. You play it the same ways. You set up in the same ways. Why would it not be similarly, similarly true to the offensive side of the ball? Especially understanding that we do have the tracker of Bevel, Schottenheimer, Waldron. It's the same thing on the defense to the offense. It's the same thing. 
And I, I, you know, we can, we can twist ourselves in pretzels to try to come up with the most, you know, uh, detail driven, you know, through the forest kind of look, but it's the old Occam's razor. What's more likely, you know, what's more likely Waldron just completely forgot the offense that helped him go get the offensive coordinator job in the first place, completely forgot all the tenets of that offense of what made that offense successful in coming to Seattle, or he was got the job. It's, it wasn't, didn't have a lot of offensive coordinator offering jobs out there. He'd never done it before. So there wasn't a lot of coaches out there offering this job to him. Carol was the only one, as far as I understand it. Carol says, you're going to come in here, but you're going to let me guide you in this process of what you do, what you do. You're a first time coordinator. I'm going to be informing you on this stuff. You've got to let me have overriding arc on you. Will you take the job or not? And if I'm Waldron, if anybody's probably in Waldron's case, they're taking that job because it's a chance for, it's, it's the chance for, for the promotion and the upgrade. But it did mean that I think he had to accept the job, much like I proved Snail with Schottenheimer. And it's not just a rumor, Schottenheimer. That's Brady Henderson, Seattle Seahawks reporter. We go back and still find the tweet that he posted that Schottenheimer inherited 70% of his playbook. That right there. Let's not make this any more convoluted, Snail. That right there. 70% of a playbook an offensive coordinator inherits. Do we understand how insane that is as a concept? for any NFL coach to do that to a coordinator. There is nobody else in this sport who's walking in the door and inheriting 70% of a playbook unless that head coach is already calling the plays and always already running that offense. That, that right there speaks directly, like right to the vein, right to the, right to the vein that speaks that you have a coach there who's having his guide in hand on that offense and a heavy one, a heavy-handed one at that. So it's, I, I just think that there's a lot of proof with this, my man, with it. I really do. I, I, I think that there's very little proof of this, that it's just merely Shane Waldron, not up to snuff and, and not, not a good coordinator. It could be both things at the same time, to your point, Snail, where it's also, he's a bad coordinator. In addition to the fact that there's this control of Carroll coming into play, but it is very hard then as we come back to making the evaluation of Waldron, of whether he's good or bad as a coordinator, if he's not being allowed to really truly run his offense, the offense he came from, the offense we like so much, we hired him from that team to come here and utilize here, only we didn't. That's the part that gets frustrating, I think, in taking it those through those steps is like, you liked it in the first place to hire him, yet you wanted to bail on it the second you brought him through the doors. And if it's not that, then there's got to, it's, there's got to, you got to give me some, if it's not that snail, there's got to be something more than just rhythm. You got to give me as to proof that it's not that, you know, why? And I'd love to see your response to that. Why would it look so similar to those old offenses snail? You know, why, if it's not that, why would it, why would he lean to stuff that we used to do? You know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just saying, uh, Snail says, Pete Carroll's telling Waldron not to run different plays of the same formation. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's like this. Let's think of it like this, Snail. It's like, I don't want you to target the middle of the field in the passing game. I don't want you to target the intermediate part of the field in the passing game because I think that there's a high prevalence of turnovers. I'm going to just play the Carroll part here, Snail. So it, it doesn't work down to line like that. You're, you're, you're getting down to the end line thing, but I'm taking you more of what the process would be. Coach Carroll goes to Waldron and says, hey, I don't like outside runs. I don't like pitch plays. I don't like running fly sweeps to the outside like you did with the Rams because I think that those end up being a lot of negative plays 
You get a lot of penetration in the backfield by the defense. I just don't like it. And then I don't like you throwing short and I don't like you throwing to the intermediate field side of the field because that can cause a lot of turnovers. You know, now that starts to put Waldron into a box of how he has to call the game snail. And there from then you get a disjointed looking offense. So the point is that the, we're getting it gummed in the works at the top and then you end up with a gummed up result. The gummed up result looks stupid and chaotic and doesn't make sense, but it's at the start where the gums being entered into the gearing that I'm saying is where the problem comes into play at. And that inhibits then that offense. You can't sequence much if you're only really allowed to run A and B gap runs. And you asked, is, is Carol not asking him to go back to plays? Well, yeah, if Carol's, if Carol's saying, I don't want to run four, four or five fly zone sweeps a game, I'll let you run one or two, but that's all you get because I don't trust those plays. I think they're more negative plays. I, I think you'll get penetration too often in those plays. I don't like that. I want to be going north and south. I don't want to be going east and west in my running game. And I think that these kind of conversations are going on, Snail. I truly do. And I think the evidence of the way the, wall, the offense looks backs that up. It's hard to sequence much if we're A, B gap running all the time. It's hard to sequence much if you have a coach who wants you to be in shotgun a lot of the time. You know, how much is being impacted here, you know? Tanmay says, with the roster that we have, especially the secondary and spoon in the slot, how effective do you think cover two man press scheme and nickel would fare as base D? If not in that, would you do 4-3 or 3-4 front? Cover two man press scheme. Um, I like cover two man press scheme, but I like it worked in as a... Here and there, Tan May, I don't think I'd have it as just like the, the full tenant of your defense. Because I think there should be even a mix where you have, you have cover two press that you drop into pure zone and, and run a lot of different fluctuations out of it. Um, I don't really think we have the three, four personnel at this point. I think we could more further quickly align, get to more of a four, three defense. And Carol knows more about running four, three defenses than he runs three, four, especially with our reluctance Tan made a blitz. If you're going to run a 3-4 defense, I think you've got to embrace blitzing. Um, not a necessarily the highest rate in the NFL, kind of, but you can't be like a league minimum rate when it comes to blitzing from a 3-4 defense to get the most out of it, which is where we're at. So I think more of a transition to the 4-3 would be smart. Dan Mason Spoon's a different type of cat. Do you think he could hold up in that scheme in the slot against tight ends? Oh, yeah. I think he could, Dan May. Absolutely think he could. Yeah, he's a different kind of cat, like you say. Snail says, Pete Carroll is telling Waldron to run shotgun and go. It's, well, again, I think, Snail, let's not overstate the argument here, right? I, I'm not saying everything on the offense that's bad or bad about the play calling or not right is completely on Coach Carroll right? That's where I also said with this snail, it could be both things. It could be Coach Carroll's heavy-handed influence and Shane Waldron sucks as an offensive coordinator. My, again, I think maybe my message is getting lost here a little bit. The point of it being is just that I can't make the evaluation of an offensive coordinator if I have a heavy-handed coach who's so heavily guiding him up at the top end of the process down. That's not letting the guy really do his job at that point. I don't know if I'm making much headway here, though, on that. (laughs) 
Uh, Tammy says, sorry for the uber-specific 2015 question, Brandon. I value your insights above most, so that's thought I'd ask. Keep up the great work. I usually can remember this stuff pretty good too, Tam May, on that. For some reason though, right now, I'm just drawing a, a complete blank on 15. That just becomes one of those years that's just sort of rolled all in together with 16, 17, and it just becomes one long season to me almost in my mind. Um, but no, it's a great question. So I'm sorry I don't have a better answer on, my, on that side of it. I appreciate you though. Uh, Randall, thank you for the $5 donation. Appreciate you for that. Says, will Russ's camp leak a story into the media about Peyton's toxic culture? Think he learned his lesson from Seattle about using the media to spin things? I do indeed believe that Russ is not going to be trying to push or spin this in any kind of different direction. Um, no, I do not expect their camp to leak anything outside of what they linked, leaked here, Randall, which was this opening bit, which was, I think, leaked to Diana Rossini, which is that the camp is expecting Russ to be, they're expecting to be cut. Um, I think right now he understands that he's not going to have just his pickings of teams. There are possibilities he can go to. And so he's got to be a good soldier here. He's got to, you know, metaphorically fall on a sword here a little bit uh, for the way that this is going to go. And that's just in order to play the right role for the next team to take a look at him, to know that they're not going to have somebody that's going to be an issue for them if they don't like what they're seeing on the field, you know? So he's going to have to kind of toe the line. And yeah, I think he will at this point, Randall. I think the the humble pie has been served and he's had to take more than a couple of slices down the gullet here, which have not been the easiest to do, um, which has not been the easiest to do so on this. So uh, yeah, there's, there's no spinning this. I don't think there's much media members that are going to be as, as willing to spin for him as in the past to have the access that they would be getting to Russ. I don't think as many are as worried Randall about that access that they could get by uh, spinning to the story the way that he wants it spun. So it's uh, he's just going to have to, you know, brass tacks, go to a team and kind of rebuild this thing up a bit. Clippix, as a person who became a fan of Seahawks because of Russ in 2013, it saddens me that his play is decreasing. It's a hard pass on Russ for me. Ironically, my brother became a Broncos fan in 2013, laughing out loud. <laughs> wow. What a year for your brother. Well, that was a probably great offensive year, so I get that. And uh, interesting to hear from a perspective of someone who did become a fan at that time and feeling the way of, I'm kind of a spot that I'm at the other end of being kind of done on this side of it, though. I get it. Uh, Snail says, Pete said that in that interview, he had nothing to do with not throwing over the middle of the field. You cannot believe me. But before he answered. Yeah, I mean, Sal, if he's got a heavy-handed approach on offense, do we expect him to come out and be like, yeah, I tell Waldron what to do. I tell him to do what on this. I, I come in and do that. You know, he's not going to come out in publicly if he was doing this. Like, whether or not you believe that he's doing this or not, Snail, like, if he was publicly doing it, if he was doing this in behind the scenes, if he's having the kind of control that I'm sort of pontificating that I think that he is over the offense and the defense for that matter, then he's not going to come out on a media interview and be like, yeah, I'm undercutting my offensive coordinator. I'm telling him to throw outside the numbers. He's going to want to make his offensive coordinator look good, right? So that, that's the opposite of making your offensive coordinator look good. So that would be breaking the first rule of what Coach Carroll applies to his team, right? Which is protect the team. He would not be protecting the team if he's undercutting his coordinator on public radio. I didn't feel like he answered the question. You know, it's, it's data to me, snail that stands out. You didn't throw outside, you threw outside the number with Russ here for years. You ignored the middle of the field for years. 
You're now with a new court. You're with a new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. You're still ignoring the middle of the field for years. I mean, at what point, what is your explanation for this snail? Like, what is your explanation for why it is looking exactly the same way? It just coincidentally is playing out this way. It just is just, it just by happenstance looks the same of an offense as it did years ago. I mean, that, you, can you understand why that doesn't quite add up in my mind or doesn't quite make sense to me in my mind? I could be wrong on that. I could be out of my effing mind here, but like that doesn't quite add up to me that it would just coincidentally land in the same spot. It's like hitting a golf ball and landing in the same divot 200 yards out and going, well, it's just kind of luck that it happenstance it landed in the same divot spot. Like, no, that somebody put it there in the divot. Somebody walked over and set that there over in that same divot. But I appreciate where you're coming from on the snail. I know it's a dis- we disagree on it, but I uh, appreciate where you're coming from with it. You can convince me on this. I just got to be given more than just... I, I got to have an explanation for why it looks so much the same. And not just like kind of quasi the same, but exactly the same. Lack of pre-snap and post-snap motion. Lack of utilizing the outside zone game. Lack of pitch plays. Lack of in, in utilizing any of that. No fly zone sweep. Right? Not attacking any of the middle of the field. Not attacking in the intermediate zones on a consistent basis. Why do those six, seven different tenants that were clear key cogs of the 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20 Seahawks offense, why are those the exact same things we see now with this offense that are either missing or rightly apparent? The A and the B gap runs. Like we're running up the middle. We're going to hammer it up the middle. We're going to hammer it up the middle. Hammer it up the middle. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm off my soapbox on it. You says Peyton has accomplished any more than Wilson has. Uh, not sold. He's the savior. He's heralded as. Well, not necessarily. Isaac Wesley, what's up, B? Uh, been a while since I've been in the chat. Four-game losing streak, now two-game winning streak with playoffs on the rise. Let's go, Hawks. Russ had his chance, and he wanted out. Makes sense. DJ, granted, I don't think Russ Payton would have worked out had they been given another season. However, I've seen zero class from Payton all season. I think he was the one scapegoating Russ from day one. I think this was a little... That's that whole thing I say to CJ about... I feel like there was a little bit of theatrics from him on the sideline a couple weeks ago screaming at Russ. The, the quote about stop kissing effing babies. Yeah, there was a little bit of this with Peyton where, you know, it's you, you always haven't exactly felt like he's really been all on board the Russ experience in this, to your point. Tom Eden says, watch the Brock and Selk interview from this week with Pete. Pete is pretty much insinuating that throwing to the outside is what he wants to do because we are good at it. I mean, that's a little bit of what I was taking from the interview as well. I, I, I may need to go back and listen to it again, though, and that Snail's bringing up a point I didn't hear him speak to on that, that I could have, I was listening to it in passively. So I might not have been hearing clear that he was speaking. There was more to just, it was Waldron's decision, not his. But I felt, just felt like I didn't get an answer from him at that point that was making it really clear. Snail says, well, why did this, so why did this offense look better last year? The offense looked good through 12 games because you pass protected and you run blocked really well. I don't think that the, and of course, Geno Smith played exceptionally well within that. 
I don't think that necessarily he was running Ram style of offense for your success during last year. And it was the 12 games last year. It wasn't all of last year, Snail. It was the 12 games of effectiveness, right? So to prove what I'm saying on this, you have the 12 games. And if you look at the 12 games, your pass protection was in a certain place and your run blocking was in a certain place. Then from week 13 onward, your pass protection and your run blocking were in a completely different place. But none of that success and what it was driving had anything to do with how, from a philosophy standpoint, the, off the offense was being utilized. Because even in those 12 games, Santa Snail, were you using the fly zone sweep runs? No. Were you utilizing the outside zone runs and pitch plays? No. Were you utilizing the short and intermediate side of the field, the middle of the field? No. Were you throwing between the numbers? No. It, so those things were still prevalent in those 12 games of success that you had offensively. CJ says, uh, shouting at him against Detroit because he failed to throw the challenge flag. He never pulled that crap once in New Orleans. I think he knew where Russ stood from, that, from the year before and used him as a fall guy. I think that's a fair way of putting it. I do. It does give Peyton an out on this year, no matter what happens with that Denver team, doesn't it? I mean, it, 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 whether it should or it shouldn't, it's, it's created that for him, hasn't it? I think that's a fair point. Mick says it's cool to see Geno Smith uh, supporting Russ after the news broke out. Between that and how happy he was on the sidelines for Drew Locke when he had the game-winning touchdown, he'll make a good mentor. Well said, Mick. Well said, man. Geno's been a, a very easy to support since he's been a con the starting quarterback for the Hawks because of the way that he's carried himself, not just for what he's done on the field. Tommy says, when you throw to the outside, you pretty much have two defenders only to worry about. And if all else fails... You can throw it out of bounds. Over the middle, there's a lot of traffic. Exactly. And when you have a head coach that's very reticent to turnovers and the potential of turnovers, it's very easy for them to then just eliminate that risk, right? Holy. Terry says, we did better in the past couple of weeks when we did pass the middle and used our tight ends. Amen, Terry. It's there to be effective and utilized when we do want to. That's the kind of the ironic part about it is that we refuse to do it at times, but much like the fly sweep play, we had, I mean, we had back-to-back -back weeks of the fly sweep. I felt like they were, they were trolling me at one point because we go get 10 yards on it on one week. Then we don't go back to the whole rest of the game against the Niners. Then we come back the next week, run it once, get a 10-yard gain on it, and then again, don't go back to it a single time. And haven't since, by the way. Seahawks blue and green, it was an ugly divorce. No way you bring back Russ. Probably not. UE2K, Seahawks are the same team from last decade. Pete is not a coach. He's a motivational speaker. Zero specific game planning. Zero halftime adjustments. Just rah-rah stuff. Fair points. Crockabut says, I'm not someone to defend Pete, but I'm not sure if this narrative of him being forced to keep 70% of the old offense is true. Some of what we got to do sometimes is it's a bit of a guessing game to certain respects, some bigger guesses than others, Crockabut. Um, when it comes to a Seahawks reporter reporting on something, I, I tend to give that less of it being uh, uh, somebody on Twitter just sort of invented this thing out of the ether and decided that this was a thing. So when Brady Henderson, who is a Seahawks reporter and a pretty respected one at that, says that Schottenheimer inherited his playbook, or that that's what, you know, we're hearing, is it technically a rumor? Is it technically, I can't prove it in the court of law? Sure. 
But when I have some other evidence to match up to it, for instance, the mutual parting of ways between that same Schottenheimer who inherited 70% of his playbook and Coach Carroll not being fired, mutual parting of ways, being both camps said, hey, I'm kind of done with this, right? That, that, that does lend itself into that. When I have an offense that I can take over a 10-year period, which structurally looks very much the same across the board, that also lends credence to that 70% story. So I can't prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt, but there's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of billowing smoke to this particular fire, I would say. You know, I can be, I, I potentially could be wrong on it, all on that, but it, boy, it does seem like the arrows point to kind of one given general direction on this one, in, in my opinion. See, Lord of Bravos, saw that Brock's had a similar poll with similar results as Brandon's. Well done, Seahawks Nation. Bringing Russ back would be nutty. Got 706 votes here. We'll be closing the poll up soon, see where it's at. Alex says, so the story goes, he wasn't well-liked in the locker room then? No, Russ, definitely some folks that were rubbed a little bit the wrong way. Addison Shelbo, hello, Brandon. Late as usual, this time just by two hours. I definitely don't want Russ back. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Connor Thatch, catch, the catch. Connor, thank you for the $7 donation. You're most appreciated. Every fan needs voices who have a balanced perception of their franchise. Big love from Vancouver, British Columbia. Well, thank you, Connor. Big love out there to you guys up in the north. Our, uh, our Seattle, our Seahawks fandom up there. You know, you all the way up to Alaska. We got a huge given area. There's that's for sure. And uh, I try to be balanced as I can. I'm certainly built into my own biases and I think about them and I try to consider my stances on stuff so that I'm not going too far flung into a directions of, you know, um, just not keeping in scope all the minds and the, the, the perspectives on things, which is where you get to hopefully that balance is really getting all of the perspectives into the view of it. So that's definitely the goal here for sure, Connor. I appreciate that it's at least in some respects coming out the way I'm, I, I hope to with that, even in my emotionality. But uh, thank you, man, for the $7 donation and uh, big love out there to you guys out there in Canada as well, man. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. Hope you have a great new year and appreciate you. Alex Smith, what's an NDA? Non-disclosure agreement. Ewey says, Wayle Wilson, Peyton, bad fit. He'll play cool until he gets a new gig. He wanted out of Seattle. He got that. He wanted to get paid. He got that. He'll move on and be okay. He's a 30-something quarterback. He's going to have a chance, to your point on that, Ewey, to go wherever he wants to land this offseason, I think. We're not wherever, but he's going to have a couple of different, I think, spots and maybe to be able to pick a good spot that he'll really like. That'll be fitting what he wants to do. Tommy, I wonder if we are a bad 3-4. I wonder if we are a bad 3-4 of the game is due to Pete's control and when, then when it's time to win the game, Waldron finally gets to run his offense without interference. It's possible it would explain some of the, the weird, um, you know, imbalance there at times, the offense, especially how it can look. I don't know on that one though. He says he was right to throw his offensive line under the bus. They were awful and Seahawks had neglected. Oh, you eat this old, this old debate between me and you. Well, some of that gets impacted by the fact that you then ask for all that money, man, you know, and you got to pull the money from someplace, you know, I, but I give you the fact that, um, the offensive line wasn't the greatest. It's like, you know, me and you've gone around on this. It's comes down to that. And yeah, the quarterback asked that kind of money. You're gonna have to pull from someplace and maybe defense was the way to do it. Maybe just build the super offense, you know, but that's where you get back to as a quarterback really wish they could have a little bit of that self realization moment of, oh, me asking for more than double that of the next guy in the roster might inhibit their ability to build up a roster that allows me to be ultimately successful. Seems like a pretty straightforward, logical conclusion, but 
Addison says, can we get a letter in Williams extension done with our current salary cap situation in 2024? Yes, but I'm anticipating Addison. It's going to require probably a Jamal Adams cut. Once you cut Adams, then you're going to free up the money to be able to get it done with probably with relative ease. So uh, yeah, but one will, one will need to be the other for it to happen because you're only sitting on a couple million dollars of cap space right now. Tan may say, I agree, Brandon. I'd go 4-3. I'm all for variation, deception, pre-snap, et cetera. I want cover two man press and nickel because I want defensive aggression, route and timing disruption. I'm okay with sacrificing the big play. We're of 100% like mine, Tan May. Uh, I am at this point, let's, let's go backwards in your, in your um, comments back to front. Number one, I'm okay with sacrificing the big play in the modern era. To me, more of the, 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 worst, the worst thing that can kind of happen to me to your defense at the end of the day as it stands right now is the long deliberate drives that just wear your defense out and sort of take the soul out of your defense. The occasional big play over the course of a game isn't necessarily going to do that. And so I'm okay with trying to take a couple of risks for maybe the, maybe the getting exposed at times in the back end. You got the personnel in Tanby and Devin Witherspoon and Tariq Woolen that can do the press stuff on the outside. I like that. The four-man front, I think, can start to help you take some more further, truer steps to stop in the run game, especially if you can bring in some more 4-3 under get the Sam linebacker on the field on the line of scrimmage like you used to do against a team like San Francisco. That would be excellently effective, I think. Um, and then, yeah, run some variances on the back end with your coverages at that point. Don't just stay to the cover three. Run some more different stuff at the back end, but engage with more man and more press. And uh, then none of that necessarily requires necessarily Carroll to step outside of himself with more blitzing then. But that could, I think, bring some immediate success to them first where they've been a little bit right now with the current scheme. Terry Reese, we have great and tough receivers. We need to be playing inside the numbers to be less predictable. This will open up all kinds of other offense. Agreed. Another one of those ironic deals, Terry, where if you utilize the middle of the field, you're, start, you're going to start to cause defenses to actually defend the middle of the field. And when they start to defend the middle of the field and take away all of those assets from the outside that help to double DK Metcalf on such a constant basis, now those assets have to come down. And now you can start to work outside the numbers and deep again, and there'll be a lot more openings out there to go get it done. Mixes, how, hear me out. A quarterback battle between Daniel Jones and Russell Wilson would be hilarious. A battle of two overpaid quarterbacks in the New York market on hard knocks. Great TV and newspaper articles all in one. Hey, you'd have a lot of eyeballs on you with it, to your point, Mick. JT says, what happened to the sneaky screens to the running backs? John L. Williams style. Well, that's been another of something that you've seen here, JT, for going on 10 years with Coach Carroll teams is that we haven't been able to run a screen game traditionally for a long period of time anywhere near consistently. Here and there, maybe over the course of a season, but we just go away from it. I think some of the traditional screen game to the running backs have gone away in recent years in general, though, across the NFL. That being just because defensive linemen have gotten so big, these quarterbacks can't throw over the top of their arms to get over to the running back behind them. And so you've had to throw it more as a shock screen now where you got to go out side to side and it's got to be ran a little bit more differently than it did in the past because of that. Um, Brock Purdy. Lord Boom, aloha. How you doing, man? 
Strong says Monday showed that Brock Purdy's uh, still a system quarterback, right? You're telling me you would have Brock Purdy leading a game-winning drive? Yeah, I think he's been exactly what we thought he was going to, he is and is, would be, which is he's, he is a guy that he showed you last night. You, you've got to, he fits within the system. The system fits, perfectly fits him. And when the Niners are at their full health, that offense is a juggernaut. But if the Niner offense isn't at full health, and by full health, you've got your pillars being Trent Williams, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and Purdy with it, that's, that, those guys have all got to be going in that offensive. But if you lose one of the pillars, you can make an argument that that building starts to fall. Now, as we saw with the Ravens, that's a hell of a team, and that's a team that very well has got a good chance of getting themselves to the Super Bowl this year. So, I mean, Ravens are doing that to a lot of teams, including they did it to us. Hey, they did it to us. So um, that probably should be taken into account as well. Kevin O'Connell says all that A and B gap run stuff is going to open up someday. <laughs> it's just a matter of time, Kevin, and they'll break. Those, that, that dam will eventually burst. Wayne Wilson, it would be awesome to see the team reunite and Russ to reunite and the fans will finally agree on what quarterback needs to start. It's the perfect story to good to be true, but it should happen. Yeah, it's probably too good to be true, but it would be a hell of a story to your point. Piria Fun says, Russell Wilson, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and benched. I would be irate if I were Russ. Yeah, he could definitely be saying sort of like, I, man, I had a bounce back year. How, how are you going to do me like this? Yeah, I don't see the Bears taking Russ, that's for sure. CJ says, it's not a Russ question, but depending on potential seeding, if we make it, would you prefer to play Philadelphia, Detroit, or Dallas? San Francisco's a hard pass. Yeah, I'm a hard pass on San Fran too. Uh, I, like, uh, I like the thought of taking on a Philadelphia team right now where they're at. I sort of like, I feel like they're maybe not, they're, they're a little bit maybe, you know, vulnerable as they kind of stand at the moment. I'd go Philadelphia, Detroit, Dallas in that order. Wayne says, Russ, K9 and JSM with a fixed O-line. Russ will have his connection with DK and lock it back as well. And we should keep Fant because I thought that's why Denver would trade for Russ. That's possible there. Possible. Dark Joke, thank you for the $2 donation. To, to your point on that, has got a question on this, Wayne. Uh, it says, do you think Noah Fant comes back next season? I don't, Dark. Um, I think he's going to command probably somewhere in the neighborhood of $7 to $11 million a year on a new contract, even a couple-year deal. I don't think we're going to have the money to afford to pay that. Uh, we're going to have $2 million of functional cap space as it stands going in the offseason. We're going to roll over $5 million from this year. That leaves you $7 million. But you want to re-sign a couple of guys potentially on this team and Leonard Williams, maybe Bobby Wagner, maybe even somebody else like Colby Parkinson on a really low, low deal. You're not going to have the money to then go spring for 7 to $11 million a year for Noah Fant to bring him back, especially this team dark joke has not really been able to find a good, easy way of being able to utilize him correctly. You know, they just have whole games like this past week where they just kind of forget he's on the roster and don't even send him a target his direction. So, um, no, I think he ends up going signing somewhere else at this point. Thank you for the donation. Appreciate you. Seahawks Blue and Green, Russ was the fall guy going into the season if the team underperformed. Not all his fault this year, but last year had a lot to do with him. So overall in two years was not good. Yeah. Tan Mace's Brandon, you should add a depends option to the poll. Laugh out loud. <laughs> or or uh, Tan Mace says, what are the terms? Yeah, I should have put that one in there. 
Lord Boomer will get a new head coach ASAP. Hopefully we can get a new head coach before 2025. I don't need Pete, but it's time for him to retire. You're not alone. Carter says, yeah, it's time to let go of Jamal. I think it is as well. Just too much money to save. And you just, you don't want to sign for the injury risk alone on him going into the future. Julian's been playing really good too, Carter. You're right. You are correct. <laughs> Period. Yeah, period fund. Uh, Peyton's definitely made him the scapegoat here. Whether right or wrong, definitely has been that. Right. Uh, Michael Cam, if they consider Russ, what would those reasons be? He's 35 and I'm not sure he'll offer more than Gino or Drew do already. I'm not sure it's a good idea, just not plausible. I do think it's a narrow pathway to come through Michael Cam. I think it would be built upon this. Uh, the Seahawks trying to move into the offense they want to run, which is the offense we've leaned into a lot of this year being A and B gap runs and you know a lot of trying to take deep shots at times during football games I and mean, he allows he allows coach carroll to lean into the direction of offensive stylings that coach carroll wants to lean into you have 17 million dollars of dead money off of geno smith if russell was to take some humble pie and maybe there's not a big market out there for him to get and wants to take a one-year deal and start to clean up a little bit of his reputation mickle cam then he comes back on a five million dollar deal bam you're at 23 million dollars versus 31 million dollars you save Seven to eight million dollars. Then, by moving off of Geno Smith, you go draft a quarterback. You take that eight million dollars, eight million dollars savings. You go get yourself another defensive lineman. At that point, you build up the team then around him in that manner, and that would be the pathway they would go. Um, I do a big 40, 30 minute opening on this Mickle Cam of exactly how this process would play out at the head of this show. So I would definitely guide you to that at the top of it. But that would be the general, in broad strokes fashion, the way that Russ could come back, or the way that it could make sense. For the team to then have him come back. Azaban says Russ can come back if he's a second quarterback to Geno. Uh, two, we go to PO, beat the Rams, beat Cowboys. We play Russ to beat the Niners, then win the Super Bowl versus the Ravens. Geno gets injured in the half, then Russ finishes. Oh man, you got yourself a Cinderella tale right there. <laughs> Uh, I am a, flingo, a flamingo. I honestly don't think he'll ever come back to Seattle. None of this should have ever happened. Flamingo says also Russ needs to come home. This was all a big mistake. Yeah, I think like you said, it probably shouldn't have happened or shouldn't have gone down. The best thing for both these guys, the Carol and Russ, may have been just to be together and to be locked together on this, but I don't. Think, yeah, it's going to be hard to make it happen. Clifix, I think Falcons are the one that makes the most sense to me too. I don't think the Vikings are going to sign up for another con Cousins contract coming off the Achilles. I do think Cousins gets paid though somewhere. Tommy says, I don't know if I ever want to see Russ in a Seahawks throwback number three. That would bring back Rick Meyer vibes. Yeah, it would. Uh, Jeffrey, as much as I love winning the Russ trade, I couldn't help but feel a little bad for him. He made a decision that he thought would be best for him and his family, but it has ended catastrophically for him been a tough road for him and you do I, i'm a guy that did have a little bit of not ill will towards him on the way out but i was sort of like hey i don't have any you know you got you're getting what you wanted so be it you know you've you've gotten your outcome that you derived so be it so um that worked the way that worked at that point in my opinion too and and but man it's been the most brutal of past years for him it has been absolutely rough road 
you feel bad in that respect because, I mean, he's just gotten battered. And look, he's in, in, say what you will with what's on the field, whether you love him or hate him on the field. He's a good man off the field and he's done a lot of great work off the field. And he's had as hard a fall from grace as an athlete as anyone I've seen in, in any sport. And uh, that's, that is, you do, you do feel some sympathy for him on that. You do indeed. Jeffrey Ta, as much as I love winning the rust trade, I can't, oh, sorry, I just read that. Uh, Yui says with Russ's landing spots, Falcons, Raiders. I had the Raiders too as the number two as well, Yui. And I had Commanders and there was three. Yeah, we're like mine on that. I think the Yui, the Giants are too married at this point still to Daniel Jones on that new contract. We'll see though. Terry says, uh, Russ would ruin the chemistry in the clubhouse. He did not care if we got his services for five cents, not worth the disruption. Makes sense. I get it. Tommy says the Cinderella story only if Gino throws to Russ on the one yard line to win the game and actually doesn't throw an INT. <laughs> Todd L, did you see the last Pete Carroll interview with Salk? Question Carroll, why don't you throw over the middle? And you could see Carroll super defensive as if, as if many have asked home this earlier. As if asked home this earlier. I did, Todd. Yeah, I, um, I retweeted over, by the way, if you want to find the clip, you can just go to my uh, Seahawks Nestor at Twitter. I, I reposted the clip over there on Twitter. And I thought it was a very telling, telling moment, Todd. Yeah. I, I, I love the question by Sulk. He's asked some, some good questions this year at times in ways other Seahawks reporters haven't. And uh, I think that Carol didn't want to answer him because Carol knew that the answer would not be one that the fans would say adds up to a hill of beans. You know, I, we don't like your turnover worthy aversion to being the reason that you want to not ever throw to the middle of the field. That doesn't work in the NFL. You got to utilize all areas of the football field to win. Can't just go, we're going to win by only offensively attacking this in the passing game and this in the running game. This in the passing game, this in the running game. All of this, no. All of this, no. You can't do it. You got to do all parts, you know? And so that's why I didn't want to answer it really, in my opinion, um, with clarity there, but... By the way, we'll wrap the poll up here. It's 765 votes in the house here. Should the Hawks bring back dangerous? No, 72% was the answer. Yes, 27% was the answer. A little bit of skewing at the end here. It, it kind of flatlined a little bit better in Russ's favor at the end, but uh, definitely does show you that not necessarily there are their open arms here aplenty for Wilson to return. Jizz and Trigger says, uh, Mr. Unlimited needs to stay on the red carpet and stay away. Addison says, do you believe we should attempt to bring Russell back? The only way I'd be open to doing it is him taking a heavily, heavily discounted deal. Um, and it would have to be a deal where we collectively, between a Geno Smith release and a Russ signing, are saving some money um, between the two at that point. Even then, I think I'd be a bit hesitant to do it. But there is a part of me that sits here and goes, you know, Carroll's never going to run these modernized offenses. You know, that's never going to be his thing. And we can bitch and moan about that and we can be like, oh, dang, and try to run this kind of partial half-ass thing. Or we can just lean into what Carroll is. You want to run your simplified offense? Go find the quarterback that ran your simplified offense as well as anybody out there that's going to run it. And if there's some for a cheaper cost and for savings on the other end of it at that point to have him run that offense in that way, I, I could be talked into it at that point. But I think the best answer when it really all boils down, Addison, is to probably just you know, roll with Geno and you, know, you call it the day on that one. Because there's really not a chance Russ is going to take that big of a discount to save that much money 
uh, when it when it goes down to the bottom line there. Tommy says, fact is Russ went kind of saving Private Ryan on the bridge on the way out. Going, going to be a hard sell to the fan base. Yeah, agreed. Dewey says, says Russ should not come back, but from an action is no standpoint, uh, all Russ ever needed was an offensive line and running game and some pass catchers. Seahawks had those now, and he's an upgrade at quarterback. No way in hell it happens. Why not? Probably not. What's up, Space? How you doing, man? Addison says, to be fair, rested this to himself. He saw it again. He saw what was coming. True. Boomy. Russ's not a bad person. I think he's a good player. If you give him a real good O-line and surround him with a bunch of good weapons, he's just gone Hollywood and gone a little greedy. Yeah, I agreed, Boomy. I think that there's a successful approach for Russell. I think it's on a certain path and you got to fit to that path. Give him the offensive line. Don't try to make him a high volume passer and give him a, a, a running attack that can really work. And I still think that he can find some point of flourishing. But you've got to give him those, all of those aspects of things a bit. And so to get those aspects, I think then within that, Russ is not going to be able to command twice the amount of anybody else who's the next player on a salary to get to that point. And um, I could see it, him finding success. Atlanta, for instance, could be a team that really is a perfect landing spot for him and that he's able to really drive them forward. Moo, I'm, bringing, I'm for bringing Russ back if it goes down like Brandon's describing, but I don't see either side doing that, sadly. Yeah, that's that narrow path. <laughs> the narrow, narrow path. It's open, you know? Sure, you got to shove the camel through the eye of the needle, but, you know, it's a chance, you know? Chance. Carlos says, uh, Russ is never coming back, in my opinion. He is not the type of player that wants his money touched. He's shown that over and over again. Yeah, I can't see him taking a discount. Even if he's already looking at low-end deals, I just don't think he'll do that. I wonder if maybe he would do it to come back to Seattle and reclaim that here and you know, kind of cover up some of the holes that have opened up a little bit reputationally over the last couple of years. But uh, like you said, there's not necessarily been any proof of him doing that. Randy Ace says, good insight, great channel. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate you for that. Uh, Jeffrey Tao says, uh, do you think Russ will make it into our ring of honor? If so, do you think, the, how do you think the 12s will handle that ceremony? So I do think that he gets to the ring of honor. I don't think that he has his jersey retired, but he will get into the ring of honor. I think that at that time, he's going to get celebrated by the 12s and revered and he'll, he'll have nothing but I think a chorus of, of celebration at that point. You know, time heals all wounds and you get outside of this and things will be kind of looked at in a different fashion but uh, not, not the number retired, which is kind of more of the key. The Ring of Honor is a good one, but number retired is the kind of the key one for me, and I don't think that that's going to happen. Addis says, Russell really had a Marshawn Lynch call his assistance just to speak with him. Yeah, that was not a great look there. That's one of those moments of Russ getting, he was like, ugh. I'm a Flamingo. That's a disgrace with the, that's a disgrace what the Broncos are doing, uh, though. Never seen anything like it, like benching a pitcher at 99 innings when he gets a bonus at 100 innings. It's true. It's true, I'm a flamingo. Um, it's definitely a little bit cold-blooded on their part. You know what I mean? And you don't see it done often. I don't think our Seahawks would have necessarily done that. But it does speak to, I think, a little bit of the desperation of the situation there and that they do not want to most desperately get signed up for more money with Russell Wilson and that potential 
eventuality that could have come if he did get injured in the last couple of games. And uh, that's just where their stance is on it at this point. John Paul Bacon, after the Seahawks won Super Bowl 48, Russ got a big ego and wanted to cash out, and he got it, and look what happened. And if Russ had only followed Tampa Bay's lead, maybe Tom Brady's lead, maybe he'd have some chances for more Super Bowls and wins. Maybe a lesson he learns this offseason, John. Interested to see what kind of contract he signs and which team he signs with, you know, as an indicator of where his mindset might be with that, to your point. Daniel W., thank you for the $5 donation. Appreciate you. Let's bring Russ back. Then we can actually beat the Niners again. That should be the biggest talking point behind it. For a low salary, I would do it. Well, thank you for the $5 donation. And uh, as I said, there is a pathway for me to even get this done, potentially, Daniel. The low salary has got to be the part of it. I'm not paying you. I'm not paying you anywhere close to what you got paid before. You're coming back here and you're going to take a low-end deal. And you might not be willing to do that to come here. And you might have a bigger deal out there that you can go out and get elsewhere. But if you come back to this particular landing spot, got to be on the cheaper deal. It's got to be under our, kind of our, you know, under our terms. Um, and that you're, if you end up collectively saving money between the Geno deal and this deal, um, and that you can then go get a $7, 8000000 million player in difference, if you can get Russ to do that, then hey, uh, I, I'm I'm not against going that route at that point, Daniel. And you're right. I think Russ did have a, a, a did a great job of getting the Niner team and taking care of him over the years. Hell, beat him last year with Denver. To your point, uh, and I think you've at the very least got to get a mobile quarterback to deal with these Niners. I think there's certainly something to that that they do struggle against the mobile quarterbacks, and that is kind of one thing that we don't exactly have with our current quarterback situation. That may be one of the things that's holding us back and be able to take down this very tough and uh, mighty defense on the other side of things. Thank you, though, Daniel. The $5 don't know. Appreciate you. Appreciate you very much. And uh, we just passed three hours here. So I want to do a little bit of a short show today, folks. So we are going to kind of put a little bit of a wrap up here pretty soon. So if you want to get a couple last questions in, and we're going to wrap up. I'm back tomorrow on Thursday for a show. But I just want to do kind of a quick couple hour one today. I think we've kind of probably pursued all the points on this way upwards and downwards and back and front with the, with the rough situation on this. But uh, please do, if you can, for me, folks, hit that like button. I also would like to uh, thank tonight the sponsor of this show. That's going to be Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy sponsoring the Hawks Nest throughout the course of this year. Click the link below and you sign up for them. They will match you up to $100 of your first deposit, up to 100%, $100 on the Hawks Nest, on me, to you, and you support the channel when you use this code there are limitations that do apply in the state of Washington. Sometimes in the state of Washington, you got to go to the casino to utilize the app for all of its services. But they've got some great ongoing contests. Your uh, fantasy team is uh, DOA right now. You're out of the playoffs. Well, you can still get into weekly fantasy contests the next couple of weeks, win a little bit of money, salvage your fantasy season. They're also still giving away $200,000 a week here through the rest of the season uh, and on into the playoffs. So uh, thank you to Underdog Fantasy for sponsoring the show. And uh, do use, utilize that code NEST today to take advantage of that $100 deal. Uh, I'm a Flamingo. Just cut the S and come back. All will be forgiven, says I'm a Flamingo. Really needs to get back to the Super Bowl one more time. Definitely capable of it. He's going to get another chance here. The one, that's the nice part here, maybe about not staying on with Denver, but having the year that he's bounced back with this year, Flamingo, is that it is going to provide him now at least a, a way to go and uh, have another team that will give him a chance to start somewhere and get that opportunity to still reclaim this career, reclaim, reclaim his legacy. You know, what will be the final word? Tan May, for me, the only way Pete earns another year is making the NFC Championship game at minimum. That's fair. I do think Tan May, if he gets a playoff win or two, that's probably going to, you know, 
buy them the time. But I think the way you look at it is a fair way to look at it too. Huey says, had the Seahawks followed the Patriots path, uh, Patriots led and made building around the franchise quarterback the priority instead of an afterthought, the whole decade of Seahawks football might have been different. It might have been. I, you know, I will say with it too, though, and I know this, these are long talks you and I have had many times over on this for many years with it. But, you know, the part that comes down to that, that you can't forget with this, that I've mentioned to you before with this is that Tom Brady took his share of discounts through that time period for that team to be built in the way it was built, you know, and Russ never took any discounts at any point in time. That's the part where there's, I, I just don't think that there can be a dead spot there in our consideration of it. You know, it's not to say you're wrong. You know, and that he didn't have the thing fully built around him in a way that Tom did with New England or even with Tampa Bay. But in both of those two stops, Tom took less money. He extended out the money. He spread out the cash. He, he made it to a way where they could fit out the roster in easier ways. But it's not to say your point's not wrong. Like I said, it's just that that's my one thing that I think has got to still also be taken into account here where Russ can't just come in there and say, pay me as a top three, top five quarterback and also build everything around me. I, I, that's to me kind of a tough, that's a tough road to hoe. That'd be a tough road to hoe for me as a front office member to say, you know, I, I could say, well, hey, hey, work with us on this and we'll work with you, but give me all the money and then work with me. I think it's a little bit tougher, I think. I am a flamingo. Was there any reason he wanted to leave anyway? Was it ever explained? Yeah, he wasn't, he wanted to be a, a little bit more of a volume passer. He wanted the opportunity to have more, chance to win MVPs. Uh, he thought he wasn't being maximized to his utmost here in Seattle. He didn't think they had built a proper offensive line around him uh, or the, the right scheme necessarily even for him to flourish. So he wanted to go to a place that could kind of take more advantage of that. What's up, Wigger Garden? How you doing? This is, I just want to say, Colin Coward's a clown. Yeah, it's fun to watch him today uh, tap dancing around with the Russell talk. Uh, Joey says Justin Fields would be a better draft choice if we don't draft a quarterback. Maybe a possibility this offseason. A lot of people making the connection between the Hawks and uh, Fields, potentially. Skyler Thomas, Russ back in Seattle. It's a possibility at this point, Skyler. He is going to be cut. But uh, I don't know if there, I could say it's a likelihood. It's probably still small chances of still happening at that point. Hope I can get that bag B. Ali uh, Ahmad Bilal says, I don't want him back. He thought he is bigger than the Seahawks. I think that that's uh, generally where folks are at. And uh, I think that's probably just about a good way here for us to finish up. And that I think most part people were at that spot of in their outlook. We had a poll today, 72% said they would not want him back. 27% did. I think most of the Hawk fans out there, it's not everybody. Again, three-fourths is not four-fourths. But uh, it seems like about three-fourths of the fans out there in general terms are kind of at, a, at the wit's end on that side of things. Randy A says teams have caught up to the old style of offense Seahawks of football. Teams have caught up to old style offensive Seahawks football. Pete is good motivator and can get a lot from his players. If you see any ex Seahawks when they go to other teams, they suck. True. Definitely seems like they usually maximize the most out of the guys here. It's rare a guy goes on to another place and takes off. Pretty clear the Russ is going to retire at 40, says Cliffix. Anyone remember he wanted to retire at 45 when Tom Brady was around? I do remember. I do remember. 
You know, he says that Brady was always certain Patriots were committed to keeping him behind the best offensive line in the NFL. That kind of commitment leads to sacrifice. Seahawks never did that. Even looked into trading him. Well, I, the look of trading him had to do with the contract negotiations. That's the part, again, we get back to where you, I'm, I'm not getting you to buy on it. I understand you're not buying on what I'm selling with this. Um, when you come to, Brady was always certain Patriots were committed to keeping him behind the best offensive line in the NFL. Uh, they had one of the greatest offensive line coaches in the sport there. That was for sure. But I don't know that that was, I don't know that you can provide me any proof to back up that that's the truth of what was going on. You know, he probably said, I'm taking this discount with the thought process. You guys are going to do right by me when I do and take advantage of it and help me out and get the most out of me, you know, get the most out of the savings I'm giving you. But I think that if Russell Wilson had come to John Schneider and offered him the same deal, I think John Schneider would have offered him back the same deal. I mean, are, are we to believe then that Yui, he comes to the front office and he says, here, I'm going to give you guys back 15 million and the Hawks are going to pocket the money and be like, great, more money for our defense. Like, you know, it's pretty logically easy. He comes to him and says, look, I'm going to give you 15 million. I expected to go into my offensive line. They say, no, we're not going to do that. He says, no, I'm not taking a discount. To believe that the team would say no to that, no to having a chance on money that they're already going to spend to build up something to help him out and make him better at that point, I think is, I, I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't add up. And if I'm wrong on that, Yui, provide me the, the proof. You say Brady was always certain Patriots were committed to keeping him behind the best offensive line in the NFL. So great. If that's the truth, there should be a quote somewhere then of, of Brady or reporter by the Patriots that reported on that being the very fact of what derived him then taking that. And if you can post that in not just this or down in my comment section below the video, I'd love to go read that as, as was the impetus. But again, we come back to, let's just walk through this logically. We, Russell Wilson walks into John Schneider's office. Hey, John. Hey, Russ, how's it going? John, I want to take 15 million less off my contract this year, but I want you to put that $15 million into my offensive line. Do we honestly think, Yui, that John Schneider raises two middle fingers up to him and says, give me the money and I'll put the money where I want? Or John goes, yeah, uh, we've got a guy we can bring in here to do that. I, you know, we, you, I'm with you on a lot of stuff, Yui, with the stuff on not maximizing and everything else. But you can't play the dead spot thing to the money aspect. It can't, it, it can't be the spot that would just gets totally washed over and ignored. It carries a heavy amount of weight when you have a man who's wanting to be paid like he's wanting to be paid, you talk about being traded. They weren't trying to trade him. They were trying to dislodge the negotiations where Russell's camp started the negotiations out by saying, hey, I want 20% of the cap on a yearly sliding scale basis. That's where the negotiations started from. Did they think they were going to really get it? No, but that's where the negotiations started from. So John gets to a point of desperation where he's really not looking to trade Russell, but he's looking to try to send a message to try to get the, the negotiations out of a place of funny moneyville which is where they had been. And you know what? It worked. That's the thing about it, Yui, is that you got the contract done. You come back and it's very, very quickly the deal gets done and Russell gets his no trade clause to protect himself from potentially having a future trade of Cleveland or whatever else, but the deal gets done and gets done at least at a rate that's good for both sides rather than being good for just one side. Because we can all agree if you give a quarterback 20% of your cap on a yearly basis, that's only good for really one side of the party of the deal, right? That's not a mutually beneficial deal for both sides. That's a crappy deal for one side and a great deal for another side. So I, I, I'm with you on a lot of your points, but I know this has been a debate for us for years on this channel with this, but the, the thing with the money part can't be overlooked with Russ. Can't be oversold. And it's the part that's having him cut here with, with Denver, Yui. 
it's still the spot right here with the Denver where they come back to him and they say, hey, um, can you take away these injuries guarantees? We're not exactly getting the play we thought. We'd like to take this. No, I'm not giving you a red, red letter sent away. It's, it's to me, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's playing blind to something that's a part of this process like everything else that is, it's not the whole part of the process, but it's a big part of the process. Um, Brandon's scenarios are hilariously comedic. Thank you. I hope they are. I try to make them a little bit. Uh, he says, Seahawks were desperate for a center, passed on the best center in the draft to take an injured, undersized wide receiver, seemingly to spite Wilson and his demand for O-line help. Might have been. Uh, it might have been. Um, I mean, part of it too was with it too. He was, and I wanted Creed Humphrey. So no doubt about it, I would have just overlooked this part of it. But you were bringing in an offensive coordinator who was looking for more mobile offensive linemen. Creed Humphrey wasn't really a mobile offensive lineman who fit to some of the zone concepts you were going to want to run. Now, does that, again, I would have, did I want Creed Humphrey? Sure. Did I like Eskridge as a pick? No, I didn't. So I was not happy with that. I would have loved to have seen them invest in the O-line at that time, but that could have been as much, rather than being a, a middle finger at Russ, it could have been that the guy wasn't a fit to the offensive, new offensive scheme you were looking to mow, and you already had a lot of immobile offensive linemen on the roster as it stands. <laughs> he was keeping me here on the debates. He is. Uh, we are going to wrap this up though here, guys. We've gone a couple hours and I do need to, uh, we got a show tomorrow and I got some stuff I wanted to just chill out here tonight because it's been a hell of a couple weeks for me. Um, my computer issues were killing me. Killing me. I appreciate the discussion though and I do with you too, Ewe. I know we've been having it for a couple of years and I always do appreciate it. Um, I want to thank everybody today for all the donations here to the chat and please do hit that like button if you could for me as we do uh, kind of wrap this um, on up. But uh, I thank you guys for watching today. I appreciate the discussion. It's interesting to hear the different perspectives and where people are kind of at. Russell does remain still a very divisive figure here in Seattle, both for the good and the bad, both for those people that do love him and support him and versus those that are um, completely out on the other way. I mean, it says no matter what, if you mention Russell Wilson's name here in Seattle, you're, you're definitely going to get a passionate response, kind of, you know, no matter what, so to speak. Um, so it's been great to see that passion still out here in the chat and still great to see that it, it was able to be real respectful here, even in, I know there being sometimes some real, um, vehement disagreement, even within the chat and between me and the chat. I appreciate the discussion though. I always love discussion. And even if I happen to disagree with you or you disagree with me, I hope everyone understands that I, I absolutely respect where everybody's coming from. And uh, my passions would never be meant to try to disparage somebody that dis I disagree with. I, I, we just happen to have maybe a bit of a disagreement where we stand. So, uh, Thank you guys for uh, checking out the channel here today. I appreciate you guys watching. We'll be back tomorrow over here with the BNB show at eight o'clock. We'll be doing a members only stream as well, at five o'clock for uh, the Thursday night game. But until that time, until that time, my fellow Hawk faithful, please don't you ever forget as our Hawks are now trying to march their way into the playoffs here, if they can pull it off. I know we're going through the back door, but we're still getting inside. So let's see if we can get in. Let's see if we can make it happen. And then once you're in the dance, anything can happen. You might just walk out with the prettiest girl there is at the place. Who knows? My name is Brandon Kane. This is the Hawks Nest. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe as we're down to March here to 15,000 subscribers. And we're getting ever so close. But beyond all that, don't you ever forget. Go Hawks.